0: This is Brian McManus, Denver Broncos Super Bowl champion, and you listen to The Scoop on AlScoop.com.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to The Scoop. This is season six, episode 25. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss, Sam Cohn, and Sam Newman. Is this the... Shady before McCoy? Shady McCoy, McCoy episode. episode before he became a single digit, the Rockwell Armstead episode. Yeah. The yeah. Mark, the Mark McGuire,
0: Jeremy Co- Jeremiah Williams. Yeah, Jeremiah Williams.
1: Yeah. What other 25s are there? Who's the Derrick Derek Rose is
2: 25 at one point, right? At least it was in high school.
1: Were there any the significant that was William McKinley?
2: Were there any significant
1: 25. Sox players who wore number 25?
2: I was just seeing it not that I can think of. I'm also not good with numbers. Like, I always put – so whenever I send John the email with the scoop, I always put, like, the number and then the player whose number that is. Half the time I have to look it up because I'm just so not good with numbers.
3: Oh, how did we miss Barry Bonds? Barry Bonds, right?
2: Vince Carter? Vince Carter, that's a good one. Carter wore 25? He was 15 for a while with the Raptors, but I think he was 25 with – the nets maybe? No,
3: 25 with phoenix or something oh
2: no. oh yeah he was 15 with the raptors i, know I don't that. know
3: that that was number two in the list that i just looked up so that makes a lot of sense uh he wouldn't be able to use this wear this number now fred Bolitnikov.
1: that's a guy i was thinking fred Bolitnikoff. my dad was a big raiders fan growing up and he gave me which is not up, you've
0: told this story on the scoop
1: <laughs> a pain, a pain, how do you remember this stuff
0: I Listen to you, you're my friend. I enjoy your cover- your your stories. <laughs> sure,
1: that's exactly
0: <laughs> I file them away. <laughs> you know what I was thinking about? Completely left turn. If you it, let's just say that like licensing and rights were just like free willing. What would you choose as the scoops intro song? If you could just choose any song. Hmm. You know what I would choose?
2: What would you choose, Kyle?
0: Belinda Carlisle's Heaven is a place on earth. Just like this ridiculous 80s song leads us in and it's just us talking about Temple Football and Basketball. Yeah. If it's like, ooh, baby, do you know what that's worth?
2: Uh, that's a good one.
0: If it is a place on earth. And then it's like, well, yeah, today on The Scoop is CJ Perez Center for Temple <laughs> <Football.">
1: <laughs> CJ Perez, big Belinda Carlisle fan. Hey, you guys. A great, it's a great song. <laughs> either of you guys ever heard that song? Be honest. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, I, have I, have. Song. I have. I didn't
2: know, the, when you said the name, I didn't know it, but when Kyle started Wait, doing see. his rendition, I I knew what he was talking about right away.
0: What about you guys? What would your- It you, a great Black Mirror song, uh, Mirror episode.
2: Um, song. Probably go for a Hugh Lewis in the News song. There we go.
1: Like, maybe like an obscure, like, like Saturday Night Fever. Um, Back to the future, so like back in time. Like remember that one? Yeah,
2: yeah, yep. Back in time, or no, no, no. no. I take it back. The the when uh, when Marty plays the riff to Johnny Be Good, and he's like, he turns around, he goes, "All right, guys, it's some blues riff and beat. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up." up. So you would want that actual track? Yes, and I'd want Marty saying, "This is some blues riff and beat. Watch me for the changes and try and keep up."
1: That's the name of the song.
2: That what's the name of? His, uh,
0: what's the name of Chuck Berry's cousin in that? Is it Marv? Marvin? All right, it's me. Marvin. Marvin. Cousin, Marvin,
2: it's your cousin Marvin Berry. <laughs> you know that new... All right, I'm not gonna do the whole that, thing. So
0: uh, <laughs> that rendition, so Michael J. Fox uh, rendition of Johnny Be Good, and um, uh, Ferris Bueller's rendition of Twist and Shout. For when I was a kid, for hmm. I thought that was like actually them singing. I was like, wow. Uh, like Fray's Mueller can sing "Twist the shout. like that's great. And I didn't realize I like, got oh, another. That's probably just
2: voice
1: double. Or great that Sam. We've talked about this, right? You know, that's that's Huey Lewis when he's doing the tryout and he's like, "Stop, stop! You're just too damn loud."
2: Oh yeah, yeah, I did know that. I think you were the one that told me that.
1: Yeah, love Huey Lewis. Sam's probably going to go for an Oasis song.
3: No, uh, I I was, but I thought about it. We I think we should do um, "All Star"
2: by Smash Mouth. No oh god i hate that song be, so much
3: go, it's so obscure I, I went as obscure as i could go there so there's this guy on youtube
0: who does like if song x was played by band y i think he does all star by like blink 182 it's like if blink 182 played all star he also does a blink 182 played one week by bare naked ladies and surprisingly good oh my god this reminds <laughs> me a little bit of being
1: like a teenager <laughs> i th- because i repeat stories i fear that i've I am repeating this, but so mm-hmm. just stop me if you've heard this before on the scoop. Stop. Shut up. <laughs> right. So we briefly met the drummer from Smash Mouth years ago. I was out in Pittsburgh visiting one of my friends and uh, we were waiting. It was a Phillies Pirates game. We see a Phillies Pirates game at PNC Park. We're waiting for uh, my buddy Todd's lucky to file his game story, then we're all gonna go out. So we're back in the parking lot and the Pirates, I mean, they they have been doing it for a while. These post game concerts to try to drive, um, you know, fans to the ballpark. So the post game concert was Smash Mouth. So we leave. We're waiting for Todd to file a story, and then my 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 friend's wife, Jill, she grew up in Pittsburgh. Her father has this super thick Pittsburgh accent. Guy walks by, and we're just we're we're sitting in the parking lot waiting, and all of a sudden we hear, "Hey, you're the guy from Smash Mouth, right? You're the drummer." And he looks at us and he goes, yeah, I am. How you guys doing? Did you like the show? And we're like, yeah, yeah. And he looks at us. I think he was waiting for us to like fall on over him and ask for an autograph and nobody said anything. He's like, all right, guys, have a good night. We're like, all right, thanks, you too. <laughs> he just walked away. I think if it was anybody else, like any other band, I would have been excited. But because it was the drummer from Smash Mouth, we we're all kind of just like, Okay. Nice. I wasn't going
0: to interrupt you, but I legitimately do think you told that story on The Scoop before.
2: Well, <laughs> it, <laughs> was, it, was, it was pre-Sam and Sam. At
0: yeah. the very least, I've heard it, but that could also be that I've just heard the story.
1: Yeah. yeah. I, usually, I get this from Kyle. Buddy, I, I love you, but you've literally told the story six times. I'm like, all right,
0: okay. It's gotten to the point where I just tell the story as if it was me. <laughs> yeah, I was out, <laughs> yeah, I was out of Pittsburgh. I was just in my blood
1: tie and then i don't even notice i'm like that sounds familiar but a Crazy coincidence <laughs> hey, that happened to me i have that that experience anyway <laughs> i don't i don't know i would not choose smash mouth um
0: i think i think it has to be ridiculous i think it has to be like it just doesn't fit like it's it's belinda carlisle or it's like it's like an otis Redding song you're like what the hell am i like what is this hmm. and it's like oh yeah
1: temple football I remember when I, you and Paul used to do a music video on Monday. I introduced him to "Too to Shy" by Gugu. That would be yeah, good. Yeah,
0: it's a good, it's a great song. It's still great. in my, uh, I believe that's still in my, my Amazon music.
1: Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe along we'll... with uh...
0: "Who Is Johnny."
1: Oh. <laughs> that, for when Short Circuit came out again, you guys weren't born. <laughs> Have you guys seen Short Circuit? No. Very. <laughs> <easy>. <laughs> Have you guys heard? They both have, like, De Niro faces, like, nah. nah why would it nah. It's a movie about a, a robot who just steals hearts and captivates lives in, in the 80s. Oh, Wally.
0: He, oh. He looks like He looks like a big version of Wally. Though.
1: Yes, yes, but he was the original Wally.
0: In the end, they make him a U.S. citizen. <laughs> in the end, he's gold-plated, and he becomes a U.S. citizen. Like, that's his reward for helping to stop crime.
1: No, <laughs> so it's, it, yeah, Who's Johnny by Elder Barge? So, uh, like... Whatever, an eight, seven, eight year old John DiCarlo is in elementary school in Pittsburgh. And people like for for like two weeks, I felt like a million bucks like, dude, the song is about you. And I'm like, no, it's not. But it was just like stupid elementary school humor. I'm like, all right, good song. Um- the music
0: video is absurd too. They literally, it's like Elder Barge like in like a courtroom and they're just like showing clips from the movie and it's him like arguing like, who is Johnny?
1: And then they're yes. just going back and forth. 80s, 80s videos, nothing like it. There was like a, a minute or two intro and you're like, when's the song going to come on? And then boom.
0: It's what's her name from Brat Pack, right? Um, uh, Ali Shee? Ali She. Yes. Yeah.
1: yes. It's a good movie. Recommend you watch it. Very good movie. <laughs> well, I, I love Elder Barge. All This Love, secretly one of the best soft rock songs of all time. Anyway,
2: there was a while ago I told myself I was gonna start making a list of movies and songs that you guys reference that I've just never heard of. And I never did make that list, but I feel like the list would be pretty long by now of and references. I didn't get.
0: Today, uh, somebody in my in, uh, at work today mentioned, uh what what's the movie where Rodney Dangerfield goes back this. to school? It's, it's back to school. It's back to school, like, it's, it's
1: <laughs> like, <laughs> did, you actually, did you actually try to tell him it was Caddyshack?
0: No, I literally just like this. Chris, I hate to tell you this, it was called "Back to School."
1: (laughs) A movie with Bill Murray where they uh they run around New York and bust ghosts. What's (laughs) up? All right, let's talk. uh,
0: Let's talk some athletics.
1: Is there any discernible segue here? No, but again, we're back, season six, episode twenty-five. We have some football to talk this week. Obviously, basketball once again on a pause and for all we know they're not playing again until the american athletic conference tournament in texas uh we have a, an interview for you in a few minutes here with temple center cj perez great stuff from him he was kind enough to spend some time with us uh, as temple approaches spring ball hopefully next month uh they're doing some team workouts now uh, we've been told that spring ball will hopefully kick off at some point in the beginning of april and I think everybody involved is hoping for a, a somewhat more normal uh, spring. What did they get two practices in last year before COVID finally hit? Uh, we know about all the delays with preseason camp and the delay in the season, all the injuries and all you that. You know
0: stuff. what I was thinking about recently? Remember last year, they had a practice and then they had a practice. They were supposed to practice. Let's say it was on Thursday. They were supposed to practice on Saturday and they moved that practice up to Friday. And I remember at the time them being like, hey, we wanted to just be like you had to adapt and overcome like, no, they're just trying to squeeze in practices because this shit's about to get shut down.
1: (laughs) I believe that's exactly what Rod Carey said, right?
0: We're about to shut this shit down. (laughs) A year later, here we are.
1: Yeah, that was Kyle's uh, Rod Carey impersonation. Rod Carey did not say that, but it was funny nonetheless. Anyway, again, we got plenty of mailbag questions from the message board. Uh, Sam Cohen will be talking to us about uh, Temple's potential prospects for who they might be facing in the, in the conference tournament. Again, plenty of mailbag questions, uh, some details on Cameron Ruiz, Sam Newman, talk to him, temple's newest addition, the transfer from Northwestern. Um, but we're, we're going to play first this, this CJ Perez interview, uh, for you guys. Again, he was, um, one of the very few players to start every game in a, in a season that just amounted to. Seven games for Temple. Again, they started off healthy, and then boom, as you all know, anybody who's a Temple fan listening to this podcast, the injuries hit, the COVID absences hit. Uh, but CJ is back, taking advantage of that extra year of eligibility at center. Uh, talked about hopefully everything you guys would want to hear about, the mood of the team right now, with all the comings and goings of the you know that have been brought about with the Transfer Portal, answered plenty of your mailbag questions. And uh, so we'll get to this now and react to it on the other side. All right, so we're excited to be talking football again on The Scoop. Uh, the team is able to work out on a limited basis and then hopefully uh, hopefully kick off spring football some, sometime next month. We'll get the official word on that hopefully sooner rather than later. And with us today to talk some Temple football is Temple Center CJ Perez. CJ, thanks so much for joining us. How are you
4: doing? I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to see you guys.
1: Good to see you. Thanks so much for making time for us uh, today. Um, CJ, the first question I have for you is, you know, we asked Amir Tyler this question. when We had him on back in December, and I'm sure it's one that you probably get with the transfer portal being what it is. It's its been a hectic offseason. Uh, it's nothing like anything we've seen before in terms of covering the sport. Uh, I can't imagine what it's like for you guys. You guys have obviously lost a lot of key players. And you've gained some key players, too, including one of your former teammates who we'll get to in a second. So I think a lot of fans want to know, what's the mood of the program like right now when you lose a lot of players and players are coming and going with the transfer portal? Sometimes fans think, what's going on? Is something going on with the coaches, the players? Like, um, But what if you could tell fans what the mood of the program is like right now with all the comings and goings, what's it been like?
4: You know, um, I think rightfully so Um, if you're an outsider looking in, like, I, I understand people questioning it and, you know, people having their doubts, um, you know, to, completely, to be completely straight with you guys. um, I'm, I'm very encouraged by just the morale of the team right now. I think, um, I think the biggest thing is, you know, coach Carey's just, coach Carey looks at every single one of us in the division, and just act, like he'll just ask you straight up, do you want to be here? And you tell them straight up, you say yes or no. And there have been some guys that told them no, and those guys are gone. And, you know, I think the biggest thing, it's its nothing against those guys at all. I think, um, obviously, you know, I, I used the transfer portal to my benefit about a year ago now. Um, so, you know, I, I, I get everyone um, kind of has this thought with having this opportunity, especially with the COVID year, um, having this, you know, this one, like this free, um, this free, like not not having to sit out a year. Everyone had that thought of, you know, maybe the grass is greener. And, um, you know, I think that's something. That's something for me um, that was never really an issue for me. My biggest thing was I, I did not use the transfer portal because I wanted to go to a so-called bigger, better place. Um, I used the transfer portal to go to the right place for me um, where I could have a team that would impact me and where I could also impact the team. Um, but I think, no, I think the team morale right now is is really good because I think it's, it's full of a bunch of guys that want to be there that are bought in um, and that, and that trust what we're doing and trust the direction that we're going.
1: CJ, like, like we said, you guys haven't had the chance to to officially convene for spring ball yet, but I know you've been able to work out with each other, stay in touch with each other. Granted, this isn't like every other year by a long shot, but, if you had to explain this to listeners, who are some of the, who do you think some of the new leaders are in the program? Some of the new voices who are kind of keeping things together. I imagine again, from the outside looking in, maybe you're one of those guys uh, who's kind of keeping things together. Cause you guys lost some, again, some more experienced players. Who are some of the new leaders now in your estimation?
4: Um, you know, man, I think you mentioned Amir. Um, I think Amir really um, is a good voice for the defense, specifically the back end um i think uh some some middle class guys and adam klein he is adam is in my room but i think not only in my room is does he lead i think overall on the team that it, uh he leads um you know and honestly i think we actually just uh got done doing our our leadership uh we have a new leadership council and there was actually a lot of guys that just got here um that got voted on to the leadership council um i know like uh zach gill was, uh, was a new one that's on there. I think in Zach. Uh, I've been really. I think Zach's a really good dude. Um, he's bringing us a lot of a lot of positivity. That's a really big thing, you know. I think winter, no matter where you're at, and I think I've I've been doing this long enough. You know, winter workouts they get you know they can get they can get long, they can get hard. And um, I think the biggest thing I think Zach's you know been consistent. He's been the same guy every day. He's just you know I'm like hey guys like no matter how hard it is, no matter how sore you are, like do like do your best, stay consistent it brings some energy. Um, so I say Zach for sure. Um, but overall, I mean, I think there's a lot of guys that have stepped up, um, with, with, you know, with some guys departing, it gave guys opportunities to, um, to kind of speak their voice on how it was. I think I, including me, um, you know, to be honest, I think the way it was, we kind of, some of the guys operated last year, you know, I didn't totally agree with. Um, but at the time, you know, I was a new guy just got here. So, you know, I did my time until, you know, I got, I found an opportunity where I was like, Hey, like, you know, I'm, I want to speak my mind and, you know, really give my two cents on, um, on what we're doing and how we're doing it.
1: Just a quick follow-up for you, CJ. Uh, and we'll ask you about your, your position coach a little bit later and the offensive coordinator, but I think a lot of fans want to know what Rod Carey's style is like. Is he really hands-on? Is he, when it comes to like something like the leadership council, is he little bit more hands-off now you've played for him in two separate spots what's he like as a head coach day in and day out does he get on you guys a lot is he are you guys more of a player-led team or is is that kind of a tough one to answer
4: no um coach Gary is is very unique and in a lot of different ways but um coach Gary uh from the from the time that I first was around him um he likes stressing you physically and he likes stressing you mentally. And that's um, he's a firm believer in be comfortable being uncomfortable. And um, that's putting us in hostile situations. That's, you know, fi- you know putting us in those situations to figure out are we gonna fold or will we um or will we not will we come together as one? And so and that's and you know, like I know um we started our our coaches workouts this week and Yesterday we had one and that was, that was exactly what it was to a T. Um, it was a hostile environment. We were moving fast. Um, we didn't really know, like, we didn't really know what to expect. Um, but honestly, and I think I look back on it, those are, I, I would not have it any other way. And I know I've played for multiple staffs um, at different places and it's nothing, nothing against them, but I just, I prefer the way coach Gary does it with, you know, like not totally filling you. Like it's not, it's not on a level of you're completely out of the loop, but it's, um, it's on a level of keeping on your toes because I think a big thing, um, you know, I, th- I think if you know you're going into a hard workout and you know what you got, I think that can cause some complacency and that can cause some, like, all right, guys, you know, this is how many uh, sprints we got today. Like, this is how many reps we got today. Like, all right, I'm just going to do enough for that. And that's something that they're trying to eliminate with, like, guys, we're not going to play you what we're doing. We might say, like, hey, um, you know, we have gases today. We're not gonna tell you how many we got. Just do it one like one rep at a time, and you you approach it one rep at a time, like you're gonna make it through it. So I think that's exactly what Coach Carey is. Coach Carey um pushes you physically, mentally, and emotionally. Um, and I think he does that because, like I said, he wants to see you wants to see us work under pressure. Um, but again, when it comes off field stuff, Coach Carey is big on relationships big on, um, you know, he wants to know, he wants to know each of us as an individual uh, besides a football player as well.
3: Hey CJ, it might be a simple question here, but in the midst of all the injuries and, and COVID related absences that you guys had, um, you were the only temple offense alignment to start every game. How did you manage to do that?
4: <laughs> um, You know, that's actually this past fall was the first season in three, three years that I I actually not missed the game. So um rehab, prehab, that's what my that's what my line coach has always preached to me. But also um, you know, especially just being a big guy, stuff happens, man. Like people fall down, you know, you get rolled up. Um and I think, you know, just kind of playing with kind of playing with the aspect of like, hey, if it happens, it happens. But don't you, you can't as soon as you start playing timid and as soon as you start playing not to get hurt, that's exactly when it happens. So it's just playing free, playing your game and just having fun, you know.
0: Hey, CJ, obviously a rough 2020, 1-6, COVID starts and stops. You guys don't get to play your final game. Is there anything positive that you can take from that season, whether it's a lesson or whether you saw young guys develop? What what were you kind of able to take from that season how can you apply that to future years?
4: Um, I think – you know, we we get in the full team setting. We look around; everyone that's still here that's like the positives from it. Because I mean, man, that let me tell you, like, just from being here, like, 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 like we we've talked about, not everyone made it through the whole year. Like, you know, people people left, and you know, and I, I know I talked about that stuff, and again, some people left, and, and you know, I have countless amount of friends at other schools that um, it was it was way worse than us. I mean, people there's there was other schools. I mean, um, I know I think it was like Charlotte they had like nine or 10 games scheduled and they played like two and it's just incredible. It's like, and again, like, I think, you know, kudos to them, you know, they are able to potentially make it through, but I think just looking around there's like, yeah, we're still here. Like we're still, um, we still have the morale with us and we're still like, yeah, you know, it was exhausting. And I think big thing, coach carries stress like, Hey, it's over. We're not going to talk about it anymore. And so um, I just, I think the biggest positive was that we made it through it no matter how good or bad it went. Um, the people that the people that made it through it are still here. Um, and I think that's encouraging. Knowing like, hey, the people that did make it through after such a hard year, they do still want to be here. So I think that was um, that's probably the most encouraging thing that we got from it.
2: CJ, you came to Temple as a pretty accomplished player already, and someone the staff could trust from your time with them at Northern Illinois. The season had a lot of stops and starts, but where do you feel you got better
4: last fall as a player? Um. I think, uh, I think I think I have I have been fortunate. I played in a lot of games. Um, I've started in a lot of games um, in a lot of different multiple positions and different locations against against different teams. Um, I just think um, bringing the uh, the mental side to the game, um, bringing that kind of just that mental edge. Um, I think sometimes sometimes I might think I'm smarter than I when I actually really am. So I got to humble myself in that way. But uh, I think just growing mentally with the game, just, you know, uh, pre-snap reads, seeing blitzes before they come, um, seeing stunts before they come, understanding this, understanding whatever the situation would be third and long or first and 10, whatever, like whatever this defensive tendency might be. I think um, just growing in that aspect, I think I, I got better at this year. Um, and obviously Doing that for our sake, but also you know, doing it to protect the guy that um, I'm snapping the ball to is the most important thing. So I think just the mental side of things, um, I think I improved on a lot this year. That's somewhere far from perfect, um, but I think that's something that I, I look when I look looking back on and you know, watching the film. I think that is an encouraging part from this past year.
1: CJ, how do you guys as a team kind of find that that right spot mentally when, obviously, again, the last season was unlike anything we've ever seen. Even what you guys went through the day of the ECB game was really unprecedented. The fact that it was delayed, you're waiting on tests, and I don't think anybody would envy what you guys went through. But then when you look back, you still look at that record, and it says one and six. And Temple hasn't been a one-win program in a long time. Is there part of the team that says, yeah, we know we, hit, we went through a lot. But we can't let this happen again. Are is are there guys that are, for lack of a better term, just looking back at last fall, saying we're pissed off and we can't let this happen again?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think we know. Um, I mean, by the end of that, by the end of that season, I mean, I mean, I think you guys are probably no better than I do. But I mean, we were probably playing with, I don't know, a third of our like, actual team. Um, so I think we're, we're real with ourselves. We're like. Why were we struggling well yeah we were we were playing with like a freshman football team at the time yeah. you know what i'm saying like that's it yeah. was it was very tough you know just how how um how many guys got taken out like i said that that um that ecu game was nothing i've never experienced anything close to that never experienced anything close to that um and that but again that's that was the circumstances that we had um i think the mindset right now is like that's that's not us that's that's not temple and so um i think it's, and it's not something to dwell on. I think we understand the circumstances were, were against us. And I think the circumstances were tough. But I don't think anyone is dwelling on that. Anyone is like, this is the end of the world. No. And I, I think if, if anyone was like that, then that person has gone. And so but I think people here are encouraged because they know what temple is. They know the guys we have. We have way too much. I think everyone's just—we're I mean, real with ourselves. We look around. We're like, guys, we got way too much talent to like be like, be like worried about what's like what's it gonna be, you know? So, like, I think everyone's real with themselves. Like, guys, we know we can play. We know we can play with anyone. So if we play our game. We put in the work now. You know, we approach every lift, every run um, in the moment, give it our full go. There's there's nothing we need to be worried about.
3: CJ, just talking about the offseason again, what's an offseason like for, for you guys in the offensive line? What, what can you really do prior to spring ball? And kind of what have you seen from your teammates in terms of any sort of offseason progress? And, and is and with that, is there going to be anybody that you see who, who might be ready to take a step forward as a player?
4: Um, For us, man, um, moving weight, man, um, either getting your weight up we're getting your weight down. You know, I think we got guys in both ends right now. Guys are uh, a little light. Guys are a little heavy. Um, you know, being on time to things, getting your homework done, being on time to lifts, keeping your stuff in order, um, communicating with your coaches, communicating with um, academics. Just the little things will translate. And then when it comes to field stuff, yeah, I mean, and that's where I think, um, you know, coordinating just um, – just player stuff. It doesn't, we don't have to have a coach every, you know, just coordinating drills, working on our hand placement, and working on our punches, working on our feet. And it's not spending two hours out on the field, just absolutely drilling each other into the ground, but it's being out there for quality time. It doesn't matter if it's 10 minutes of quality time or 45 minutes to two hours quality time, if it's quality time. And you're working. That's, that's the most important thing. I think, um, I used to get kind of annoyed with some, you know, I've, I've heard, you know, some place that it's like, yeah, you know, our workouts are three hours. And it's like, so you're telling me like you're, gar- you're grinding full, like, like 100% for that three hours. It's like, all right, well, that, that three hours we I can do what you did in that three hours in one hour, you know? So, and, and again, that's where it's like, in my opinion, if you're not, um if you're not taking advantage of that full time, then I think you're kind of wasting it. So I think, uh, Most importantly, I think our group is not, it's not only our group, but I think it's just the position in general relies so much on each other. Um, I mean, in my opinion, there's no position in sports that's like it. Um, You got to completely rely on the guy uh, next to you. And so um, that's, and honestly, as much as, yeah, it's doing drills. It's, you know, in the film room together, it's, you know, lifting together as much as that is important. I also just think hanging out on the weekend, just getting like just continuing to grow those relationships, being with each other um, just hanging out. Because, like I said, there's the position is way too hard not to have fun with it. And you got to find you got to find having fun like you got to find some um, some glory in the pain that you guys go through together.
3: And with, you know, some of the younger players, is there anyone in particular you think that might be ready to, t- to take a step forward?
4: Um yeah, you know, I think uh I think Wisdom um obviously stepped up later in the year. I uh, know some guys were down, Wisdom potentially absolutely. Um really encouraged, I think um Bryce Dolman has been, you know, I I really encouraged by Bryce. I think he's been um taking a leadership role uh in the young guys. I think he's just been doing simple things by just holding people accountable. Um it's not about how loud you can talk or the cool inspirational quotes you can say. It's just for like, Hey guys, like, like, like keeping each other going, encouraging each other. Um, I think Bryce could be a really good player as well. Um, overall, I think, I think, I think our young guys are, um, are in a pretty good spot in my opinion. Um, I think I see a lot of, I see a lot of promise in all of them overall. So.
0: You know, CJ, one way or the other, whether it's to somebody like Juwan Mathis or Justin Lynch as a new guy or a guy that's been around for a little bit like Matt Duncan or Real Mitchell, you're going to be snapping to somebody different uh, this year. So what kind of comes into building a relationship with a quarterback, building chemistry with a quarterback, and how have you kind of seen those guys maybe try to fill Anthony Russo's role?
4: You know, the last thing I want one of our guys to do is try to be Anthony Russo because none of them are not saying that, you know, um, you know, obviously not saying that Russo was perfect by any means, but you know, like I, I, I hope that these guys can be their own individual and, um, you know, be bring what they have to the table. Um, I think all, all of them are very talented they all have different attributes about them. Um, I, I think whether or not you guys have seen DeJuan, you know, six. 6'6". you you look at Real. Real's like down to his shoulder, you know what I'm saying? But, again, Real moves very well. Um, moves very well. He's very fast. Um, and, again, I think Dewan's also a great athlete. Dewan has a really good arm. Um, I know, obviously, we have some new guys coming in. I think uh, Mariano Valenti is a great leader. I think he has a presence about him that truly carries the team. I think no one's talking about him, And I, I have, I have a lot of trust in him as well. Um, And I see a lot of encouragement in him just day in and day out, just treat like treating every day, the same coming in, doing his work. He's not the rah-rah guy, but it's just the presence about him that he brings is very, very big. And I think a lot of guys are encouraged by that as well. Um, And, you know, we might play one guy, we might pay four guys, you know. Um, but my job is to whoever whoever I'm snapping the ball to, protect that person no matter if we're throwing it, no matter if we're running it. So, whenever we get to decision making time, um, we will figure that out. And honestly, it will probably be no time soon because we don't play for a long time. So.
0: Just, to, I guess, to follow up on that, how much interaction have you really had with Dewan with it being such a weird off season and him not coming into the spring semester? Have you had the opportunity to kind of get to know him a little bit? How is he as a, as a person, as a, as a player, as a leader?
4: Yeah, you know, I've, I've been around Dewan um, a good amount. Our lockers are pretty close to each other. Um, you know, I think my biggest thing, especially with a lot of new guys, especially the, with a new guy that's going to have his hands on my butt. I try to be a little extra weird with him at first. Um, I'm not really sure how he responded totally well to it at first, but, uh, but no, I've been really encouraged with Dewan. I think again, with all of our guys, Dewan is not going to be a rah-rah guy, but he encourages, he gets the guys going. um, And I was, it just looks like he has fun. And, that's my biggest thing, man. It's it, that that translates around me, and I do my best to rub that off of everyone around me. If, if we're not having fun, that we shouldn't be playing because it's it's just a game. It's just a game, and it's a game that we all love playing. Um, so I think Dewan, no, I, I've been really encouraged. With I think Dewan's a good, good kid. Um, I think he has fun. He's obviously he's very talented, very big kid, moves very well. Um, can sling the rock. That's for sure. Just from the little bit I've seen, he can really throw the ball really well. So, um, no, I think I'm really encouraged with the one overall. And CJ, you guys are returning some familiar
2: faces like Adam Klein, Isaac Moore, who've started games for you and a guy like Joseph Hooper, who's seen some spot starts. What have you seen from them in the off season one and what are you expecting from them in the spring?
4: Um, I think, uh, they've all, they've all done a great job. They've all done a great job, Adam. Um, adam definitely is looked at as one of the leaders in our group i think we all have um great leadership qualities but i think adam you know definitely enjoys that leadership quality bringing the guys along um uh, he's not afraid to get on us as a group he's not afraid to call anyone out which is very important because i think you know a lot of times you know people want to be the nice guy people will never want to be the bad guy and um i think adam has um i think you know isaac and hoop have done a great job um getting stronger getting faster and i think it's just the little things with just treating every rep in the weight room every sprint outside um not taking it for granted um doing doing it one rep at a time giving it your full effort um i think that'll carry into the sprint for sure i think um You know, depending on what spring ball looks like for us this year, um, just talking about, you know, how many guys we got going and what's going to be the situations. I think um, spring ball will be huge just with um, having the new guys uh, coming around, but also, you know, every spring ball that I've had, this uh, you know, you're gonna have new guys, you know, obviously when uh, with Picosia, those roles and spring balls the time where you kind of get a look around, and be like, all right, this will be the picture, you know, this is what it's gonna look like, this is what it's gonna feel like. So I think once we get there, we'll deal with it. Um, but overall, no, I think I think the O line's been doing great. Um, we've been holding each other accountable. Um, it's not perfect by any means, but we just gotta keep we gotta keep treating everything one day at a time, being where our feet are at. Um you know, like I said, most importantly, holding each other accountable.
1: CJ, you you mentioned some of the younger guys like Wisdom Korshi, Bryce Tolman, I think you've got some other younger guys like Jermaine Donaldson, Sam Davis. What are what are those guys going through right now? Because you, you went to a junior college, you were an all-conference player, and then you came in at Northern Illinois, and then you played right away. But if you had to explain to a fan or one of our listeners what it's like for a young offensive lineman, Cause typically they get redshirted, they don't come in and play right away, and it takes time to build up your body and all that stuff. What are they going through right now to adjust to playing college football and, and getting closer to being a contributor and starting?
4: Um, you know, I think like I said, I think it starts in the weight room, starts upstairs. Uh, you can't you can't play if you don't don't know what you're doing. Um you can't play if you don't know what you're doing, and um, yes. The strength, the speed, the technique comes with that, but you gotta know what you're doing um, up top before you can actually be out on the field. Uh, I think, in my opinion, the position is is so technical to where when like when you do see some of these guys, whatever, whatever place it may be, and they come and they don't have to shirt, such a rare sight because the position is so technical. It's so um. It's so different than any other position in sports in my opinion because there's so much technique with it there's so much just logically that doesn't make sense I have to stop someone I, I have to be backpedaling and stop someone that's running the full speed at me. like logically this doesn't make sense and so when you see young guys that are able to do that it's like it's it's mind-blowing because you're like wow like that's 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 awesome because you know it's some, some clicking up top you know yeah and he might come in he might be he might look the part already, he might already be super, super strong, but it's that technique aspect that not everyone gets at first. And I think, I think our young guys are doing a great job with it. They're, um, you know, they're asking questions, they're doing extra work, um, but also they're doing extra work together, I think, which I think is awesome. They're watching film, they're doing all this stuff that is important to do, not only as an individual, but also as a group as well. Because when you know, looking back on it, they, um, I think that's a big thing. And that's where from teammates in the past always told me like, you remember the guys that you came in with. So Jermaine, Sam, Bryce, Miles, all those guys that they all came in together. Um, you know, they all were able to look at each other like, Hey, like, you know, we're, we're like, Hey, whether you were here for four years or even six years, you know, like they're all going to be able to do it together. So then the young guys are coming along great. Spring ball is always huge for young guys. Um, A lot of people make make huge strides in spring ball. So some of these guys could really step up, and I really think a lot of them are planning on too.
3: Hey, CJ, you had another one of your former teammates in the program and and Weston Kramer. Can you kind of tell our listeners what um, Temple's getting and and him as a a defensive tackle just on and off the field?
4: Yeah. um, Weston is a high-energy, high-effort guy. Plays very aggressive, plays very violent. Um, and um, I guess that he brings a lot of energy and he also um, expects a lot of energy around him, too. So he, uh, to be honest with you, he will be a different guy, just his personality in this program. But I think that's a really good thing. And I think um, that's a really good, good thing for this program to continue to move forward is to have guys that are different and come from a different background and accept them in. Um, I think that's, you know, that's exactly what happened with me um, being from the Midwest and coming out here and, um, and getting accepted by, by the, by my teammates and coaches. Um, but Weston is a, Weston's a great player. He, um, like I said, he's, he's a high effort, high motor guy, plays to the echo, of the whistle, um, really good at pissing people off, but, um, he's, he's a guy you don't like playing against him, but you love him when he's on your team. That's the best way I can explain it.
0: CJ, I wonder if you can just talk a little bit, a little bit about your relationship with Mike Removich and Joe Ciponi. Obviously must be pretty solid if you decided to follow them to North Philadelphia. Um, so I, I wonder if you can just talk about them as coaches and your relationship with them.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I think, uh, fell on to add Coach Carey into that, in that build sure. as well. Um, the, the, those guys, Coach Carey, Coach Forty would those were the first, um, when they were at, when they were at Northern, were, that was the first school, that was the first division one school to ever, um, ever just give me an opportunity. Um, Cause you know, out of high school, I, I had to go play junior college. I had, I had nothing else I could go to. I, I couldn't go in any, any D2s or anything like that. So I went to a junior college, um, I somehow, some way, reached out to Coach Chapoti. I remember I didn't hear back for like a month. Didn't expect anything out of it. All of a sudden, Coach Removich, Coach Chapoti, and a bunch of other guys get a hold of me, um, and then the ball just went rolling from there. Um, got a lot of respect for Coach you and Coach Chapoti, and I, I appreciate them a lot. Just, um, just the way they do things. I, I'm a firm believer in, in how they do things. I. And I know and they'll be the first people to say, you know, they're not perfect in the way they do it. But just um, just by building relationships, I think they are when I talk about it's a game, it's not a sport to me. It's a game. And it's a game that, you know, is very emotional, very, um, very fun, brings us some, a lot of pain and joy. They're firm believers in that. And, um, you know, like I, I I was talking with I was, I was talking with Coach boy today of like, you know, Coach is a big believer in um, you know what. You can't get mad at something twice, and like there, there's no need of overdoing something. You might mess up playing a game, but the next day in film, like yeah, you already got yelled at during the game. You don't need to yell at it again. Like there's no no need to beat a dead horse twice. You know, like what? Like we get it. You know, let's move on. So I I appreciate Coach Brody a lot, man. Um, he's done a lot for me and my family. Um, we. You know, after he left, um, we weren't able to really keep our communication going for a while. Um, that was tough because, like I said, I appreciated him a lot, but uh, Coach You as well. I, I I appreciate him and just the way he does things, and um, also just um, I know I know the respect that we have for each other is very big.
0: And just kind of following up on that real quick. Obviously, they extended an opportunity to you coming out of JUCO, but then fast forward two years. I don't have to tell you this. Offensive linemen have a lot of opportunities on the transfer portal. Uh it's a very in-demand position, especially if you can play the inside. So you kind of got a lot of interest once you entered that portal. I, I believe in the end it came piking down the temple and Florida State. So how much did those relationships kind of factor into your decision to, hey, I know these guys, I know what to expect. Let me go to Philadelphia and, and play for them again.
4: Yeah. And that's where I think I, you know, I kind of touched on earlier talking about those other guys. Um I did not leave NIU to go to a bigger, quote, bigger place, bigger, better place. Um, I left to go to a the right place for me. Um and if I if I would have went to a so like a quote bigger place, then I'm not sure Temple would have been that option. Um, but that's that's not what it was about for me. Um, you know, I was my time in the transfer portal, I could only take a week of it because, like, my phone wasn't leaving my ear. So um, that's, you know, and I'm, I'm very thankful. Got in touch with a lot of coaches from from different schools, and um, it was overwhelming because, hey, you know, I look back to compare that to the first time I went through the recruiting process. Um, it was completely different, completely different. Talked to a lot of schools um, and a lot of conferences. And it was really exciting just, you know, having all these opportunities that I could potentially have. Um, I think the biggest thing was, you know, with COVID going on, yeah, I had like, you know, I could have like potentially like had a scholarship here, at a scholarship here, we couldn't visit, couldn't visit anywhere. And that was really tough because, you know, I think the biggest thing, obviously, I, you know, I I never took, um, I never visited Temple before I got here. My When I came, I was like, yeah, I'm moving in. And again, I wasn't worried about it. I was just like, you know, adapt and react and we'll figure it out. Um, but again, I think just leaning back on that trust and the relationships I had with coach Kerry and everyone, that was just the biggest, um, the biggest point for me that I could rely on just knowing, knowing what I'm getting myself into understanding. I know them, they know me and there's nothing else. You know?
2: Looking ahead a little bit, uh, we've been told spring ball will start in early April. Do you guys have any idea of how that's going to look? Will it be the kind of thing where it's like similar to what you had to do back in the summer with limited workouts? Or will you be able to do a little bit more?
4: Uh, We have not touched or really got into the details of what spring ball is going to be like Uh, the early April. We do know we will start. Um, My guess that kind of circus we had to go through at the beginning of camp. I don't think we're gonna have to do that. Um, I think the world is turning into a better place, slowly but surely, a cleaner place. So I don't think we're gonna have to use those guidelines again. Um, but again, you know, things things change like within an hour. Um, it seems like so uh, that could change. But from my opinion, um, from what I think where we're where we're headed right now. I think it'll be a pretty normal spring ball, in my opinion. Um, spring balls, you know, a lot of development, a lot of just, you know, like getting the guys together, figuring out what the team's going to look like. So, in my opinion, I think it's going to look like a pretty normal spring ball from what I'm used to.
1: CJ, I wanted to ask you about your father. He played played at Kansas, got drafted in the NFL, spent some time in the NFL, then uh, played in the CFL, the XFL. And um, what was it like – you know, just growing up with him and having football in your family, was he the type of father who was like, yeah, you're going to play, or did he kind of just let you find your own way? What was that relationship like growing up? And what's it like now just having a father who got a, got a taste of, of the highest level of football?
4: Um, you know, I think it was awesome. I think, uh, you know, the way my dad did it, I don't think he pushed me to play the game. Um, I think he put every ball in front of me possible baseball soccer basketball football and he let me figure out what I wanted to do um you know I, I didn't. what was it when I was five six years old like soccer was the first sport I ever played and then I didn't play football until second grade and it was immediately it was like immediately tackle I never played flag football or anything um they got I, I weeded out baseball real quick that did not stick with me at all um but besides that, you know, honestly, it was me. It was for me. It was, I like football. Um, I like basketball a lot too. wasn't very good at basketball, but I like basketball a lot too. Um, but again, he he let me decide what I wanted to do, and that's that's the most important thing I could ever uh, thank him for. But uh, he was my coach from oof, second grade all the way to. Uh, eighth grade and then my senior year of high school he uh he snuck himself on onto my high school coaching staff for that last year uh which was awesome because I went like three years without having him there um on the sideline and then that last year he was able to come back and join which was awesome and so uh you know having him as my coach was awesome. I I wouldn't have it any other way. I think um just him teaching me how to play the game not not with a technique not with like the rules just like with effort with intensity just with like understand how much of an honor it is to play it. understand how much of an honor it is to play it. and it's a gift that we get to play it um and so treating every day every practice every workout like yeah like i know I, I get to do this i don't have to do this i get to do this very important thing that he taught me from a very young age. Um, and I appreciate that a lot. He was fortunate enough to play for a long time, played in a lot of different places, um, learned a lot of different stuff. And as much as, you know, the game has changed and, you know, it's different from what he played, when it comes to my position, like – I'm not supposed to put the guy at Burnley, quarterback. Simple as that. You know, like the, the little the, – the, the goal has not changed that don't let anyone touch the quarterback. And he was able to do that successfully for a, a long time. And so um, he, he knows better – I mean, he still knows better than I do. He play, he's played longer than I have still. So um, he as much as he thinks that the game has changed, there's still a lot of stuff that he knows that's very important.
1: CJ, before we get to some mailbag questions here, I want to ask you, tell us about Shawnee, Kansas, your, your hometown. What, what, take us into like what it was like growing up there. Obviously, anybody could say, oh, I'm sure it's different than Philly. The Midwest is different and all that stuff. I'm sure you get teased. But what was it like growing up there? Take us into life in, in that town.
4: So um, I'm sure none of you guys have been, been to the great state of Kansas. <laughs> Not a lot of people have. But uh You know, I say, it's funny that you say Shawnee because when people ask where I'm from, I usually just say Kansas City because Shawnee is just like 10, 15 minutes out of Kansas City. Um, But, you know, Shawnee is, it's the suburbs for sure. It's the suburbs of Kansas City, but a small town. Um, I originally went to Shawnee Mission Northwest. I was there with my, um, I went to school with my older brother for two years and then my younger sister for one year transferred to St. Thomas Aquinas, which is, that's technically at Overland Park, but uh, no, I think, um, I mean, I, I, the only, I lived in one, I pretty much lived in one house and I was there, I lived in one house for 12 years, um, and lived in that same community, had some of my best friends from my, from, I grew up with some of my best friends from early, early elementary school all the way into high school, and I'm fortunate enough. I still talk to a lot of those guys today. Still talk to a lot of those guys today. Um, for people that don't know, looking on the outside, you know, a lot of people when they hear Kansas, they probably think it's in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, and most of Kansas is in the middle of nowhere. But uh, for me, was not in the middle of nowhere. I um, I'm very thankful from where I'm for where I'm from. Um, I wouldn't change that at all. A lot of people don't know. of, or heard of people coming out of Kansas, which part of me likes that even better. So I like I like doing my best to change that narrative.
0: I would like it on the record that, one, I have been to Kansas. Uh, my grandma used to live in a town called White City outside Topeka, and that was in the middle of nowhere.
4: That <laughs> is in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> but
0: two, if you grew up in the shadow of Kansas City, the suburbs of Kansas City, how did you become a Packers fan?
4: Uh, I became a Packers fan, I think, because of my dad. Um my dad, hey, briefly, was, right? Yes. He was, uh, he was there very briefly. Um, and it's funny because if you ask him, I grew up in Chicago, my dad grew up a Bears fan. Um, but then he got an opportunity to go to green Bay was there briefly. Um, and yeah, it's weird. Ever since then, he's, uh, he's been a big fan. I would say part of me might be more of a Rogers guy than a Packers guy, but overall, I think, I mean, I do really like the pack, especially when I was, when I was at Northern, um, you're three hours from Green Bay. And I played with a lot of guys from Green Bay. Um, So I was able to go to a a Packer game one time and it's, 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 it's really different and it's really, really different. I think, you know, with the Eagles and Philly, I mean, obviously, I think this is one of the best fan bases of all time, but it's, if you go to Green Bay, like Green Bay isn't really a city. It's like, it's like a neighborhood. It's like a bunch of neighborhoods, you know, and it's like, the Packers are like kind of like a, like a college to them. Mm
2: -hmm.
4: So, um, no, I, I I do like the pack though. I think I I probably get that from my dad.
1: So we got some, some mailbag questions here and these are, I'm going to read the, when I, when you hear this, it's a screen name from our message board. So the first question comes from fig one is the screen name. Did CJ notice any distinct difference between, uh, American athletic conference and Mac defensive line
4: talent? It's a great question. Um, you know, yeah, I'd say a little bit. Um, I think they're probably better athletes than the American. Um, I think there are a lot better athletes than the American. A lot more, a uh, more guys that probably look the part. Um, don't get me wrong; there were some dudes uh, in the MAC that could play too. Um, but you also came across you come you play a lot of T tackles that were you know typical. 511 510 just almost like a fire hydrant. almost um, you don't really come across a lot of those guys in the America now all all the guys in the American they move really well they're fast they're strong they're usually they're usually bigger guys six two at least six two up um, so I'd say I would say yeah talent wise I think the Amer- the American is is hands down better um, and I just think as a uh as a whole, um, as a whole, that I not even D line wise. I think even when it goes, he, he goes back to the second level and even to the back end as well. I think that, uh, I think the American does have more talent.
1: He has a follow up question here. You, you've obviously touched on Weston Kramer already. We asked you about him, but his second part of his question is also what is Temple getting in Weston Kramer? Is he going to be blowing up CJ in practice? So I thought I'd let you have some fun with that one.
4: No, he is not. Um, Uh, (laughs) no, he's not, but, uh, no, Weston's a good player. Um, Weston, Weston will get his here and there, but I, I, I understand how he operates. So I don't really have a problem with that, but, uh, no Weston, Weston's prime. Weston's game is he's going to, he's going to blow up some double teams. He'll get after the passer when you need him to do. And so, um, that's exactly what we need. So, um, he'll help our team a lot. So yeah, no, no, but uh, when it comes to practice, no, we'll, it'll, it'll be it'll be eventful. But you no, know, I'll get mine plenty times.
1: Next question. The screen name is DBlaze75. Uh, how would you describe the culture and identity of a rod carry football team? Uh,
4: I would say um, I would say our mantra: smart, smart, tough, and relentless. I think um, we wants guys to be tough. He wants guys that don't quit. Um, he wants guys that are gonna continue. He wants guys that are gonna get after people, and I think that starts up front on both sides. He wants guys that are mean. He wants guys that are a little nasty, um, that are gonna piss people off up front, and I think that that shows that's you know where his big at. At every team that I've for the, for the two for the two to three teams that I've played with with Coach Carry on and every other team I've heard about his whole emphasis is the line of scrimmage and that we will win the line of scrimmage. And that starts with both sides of the ball. And that starts with, like I said, pissing people off, getting after people and doing it every single play.
1: Next question that the screen name is 215 Temple tough. This question is uh, what are the key components you feel need to be accomplished in the spring to set up the offense, to have a successful season this year?
4: Um, like I said, i just say just doing the little things right. Um, in my opinion, if you handle the little things, the big things um, will, will take care of themselves. Um, do our workouts, show up on time, you know, att- approach every single rep and every single workout the same way with the same amount of effort, the same amount of energy. The big things will, will take care of themselves. I think, um, like, you know, yeah, you know, as, as an offense, you know, So some people have all these different plays and all these different schemes. There's only there's only there's only so many ways it's gonna cap, and I'm a I I believe that absolutely. And so um I think as soon as you start like overthinking, you know the offense overthinking the technique, then if you're overthinking it, then you're not doing it. And so I think trusting what the coaches are coaching us to do um out out on the field, but also in the weight room, um, doing those little things. Right. And I think the big things will take care of themselves.
1: So next screen name here is vanter. This is a, this is a cheesesteak question. So I don't know how, how much (laughs) you've been able to get out into the city with the pandemic, but his question is favorite cheesesteak in the city. And why is it Steve's Prince of steaks?
4: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, um, this guy might be upset with me that I actually, I have a list of probably 10 places I've been, um, I have not been to cities, but that is that is actually top two of place that I'm planning on visiting next. But uh, my favorite right now is probably John's Rose pork. Yeah. And I uh, I was hesitant about it because I'm like, I'm not going like I, I'm not I'm not going to be a tourist and just go to like the all these places like you, you search up on Google, like best place to go. I'm not going to like where I look at. I'm not going to go to one and two. I'm going to go to the bottom of the list. I think start from there. And so um, I was hesitant on John's because John's is at the top of a lot of people's list, but I think John's, John's fantastic. And I got, I got a point on, I had them probably about a month ago or about a month ago. And it was completely worth it.
1: I think you just won over <laughs> some fans with your approach to your approach to food, working, working your way up from the bottom. And John's is, is fantastic. Yeah. Um, next
2: question. John's great.
1: The next question comes from green street, Al. His question is, what have you learned from other people about your pro potential? Now I know you can't, you haven't gone through, you know, the process yet of going through, I mean, there's no combine this year, even if you were, you know, going into a draft, but do you have people telling you that you can play at the next level? What kind of, are you getting feedback, you know, at this point saying, Hey, you might be able to play in the league. And if so, what, what do people tell you?
4: Yeah. You know, I'm real with myself. Um, I'm an undersized guy. Um, but I I've, I've played too much football and I played too much good football to um to kind of doubt myself in that aspect. Um, my biggest thing, you know, obviously, you know, I've talked with my coaches about it, and you know, people giving me their two cents, like, yeah, man, I think there, there's no reason you shouldn't get a shot, and and you know, and I think that that's that's definitely encouraging. Um, my biggest thing is just playing consistent, and that's where people on the outside don't don't always understand that as like. As an old lineman, like, you know, you could have 80 plays in a game. And every other play, I just absolutely put some dude on his back. But the plays in between those, I got beat. Just flat out beat. Well, that's that's 50%. That's not a very good game at all. And so a lot of those games, you know, I look back. Um, I look back, I think it was you know, South Florida this past year. Come out of that game and um, – you know, I'm walking out. You know, my dad. My dad's like, he was like, "How'd it go?" I'm like, "I like, ah, was fine. Like, I thought it was okay." Just, I look back on my whole college career. Every time I've said that after a game, those are honestly end up being my best games. And I think I say that because maybe I wasn't. You know, maybe I didn't bury like like three, four, five guys. You know, maybe I what didn't feel like I was like in a dominating position every single time. Um, but every time I've said that those actually ended up being my best games because those were my, those are my most consistent games. So, um, you know, whenever that time comes, I'll deal with it when it, uh, when it happens. Um, I think it is exciting thinking about it a little bit. Um, But again, I got to be where I'm at right now. I, me potentially playing um, in the NFL. I, I have no effect. Like today has no effects. I can't do anything to change that right now. So I do believe I can play there, um, wherever it is, however it is. Um, but I got to I gotta handle what's in front of me right now before I can get there.
1: CJ, one last question for you, and thanks for doing this. We really appreciate it. Um, this isn't a mailback question, but we like to ask the guys sometimes, you know, you, you've, you've played football for a long time. You get questions from reporters, Chicago media, Philly media now. What's one thing that no one's ever asked you about, or maybe one thing that people – don't know about you? Cause you get asked, you guys get asked the same stuff all the time. What's one thing that maybe you don't get a chance to talk about or maybe something that, that people don't know about you?
4: It's a great question. Um, you know, I think a big thing for me, man, um, is, uh, I wear my faith on my sleeve. Um, I follow Christ. I do my best to lead people towards Christ. I do my best to, um, kind of, uh, kind of have my, like I said, wear my faith on my sleeve and show people that, um, you know, I live with Christ and, um, try to impact people and lead people towards that. And I think that's probably something i people have asked ask a lot ever. Um, but I do my best to try to impact people on that aspect a lot. And I think, uh, that's, you know, that's when people say it's bigger than football, that's, it's not even close to football. It's, it's, it's in its own realm. Um, and that's where, you know, I, I hope I can be, I hope I can be a better man of faith way before I can be a better football player. Um, and I think that starts with, that starts with every day. That starts with, um, you know, wh- what am I, what am I doing to, um, to, to walk with Christ every single day? And what am I doing to lean, love, like show people who, who God is every single day? So, I think that's definitely something, you know, I, I uh, not a lot of people have asked me. Um, that's something that I definitely want to uh, push on to others, and I, and I try to push on to others a lot.
1: Great stuff, CJ. Thanks so much for spending time with us. We really appreciate it. Hopefully we'll get to cover some semblance of spring ball and, and preseason <laughs> camp, and we wish you the best, and uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you soon.
4: Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All
1: right, so some great stuff there from CJ Perez. A lot to react to, a lot to talk about here. But um, one of the things that, that stood out to me, and obviously everybody's eyes are going to be drawn to the quarterback position. Kyle asked him some good stuff about DeJuan Mathis and the quarterbacks, and uh, you know talked about how you know any way you slice it, he's going to be snapping the ball to somebody new. I loved his line where he said somebody somebody new is going to be putting their hands on my butt, and uh, that caused us to chuckle. But you know he he talked about Mariano Valenti, and he said you know nobody's really talking about him. And he has a presence. And I wonder if, you know, if he's, I don't even know if you could really call him a dark horse. He might be in the sense that, you know, he was ineligible as a transfer last year and people didn't really know about him. And in a year where they were down to their fifth quarterback and had to go right down the line, he couldn't play, but we got to remember that this is a guy that they recruited to Northern Illinois. Uh, They, they brought him in as a transfer and uh, yeah. And CJ brought him up and uh, you know, sounds to me like, you know, maybe he's the guy. And again, if, if real Mitchell gets moved to a wide receiver, fine, but that hasn't happened yet. We had been told that that might be a possibility, but as of now it hasn't happened. So he's in the mix. Uh, Matt Duncan's in the mix. You'd have to think that, you know, a guy like uh, like Justin Lynch is probably going to get redshirted. but you know, Mariano Valente, he talked about him again, talked about him having a presence. I thought that was kind of interesting. What stuck out to you guys?
0: Yeah, I think um, I mean I think it's kind of the story of the offseason is how are these new additions going to mesh with Temple? I, I think you mentioned that Zach Gill, the defensive tackle tra- transfer from North Carolina, former highly recruited kid who didn't see the field a super lot. Uh, he started a game or two in North Carolina, but he's already been elected to the leadership council. I just kind of wanted to put like into perspective just how big of a roster overhaul this is. So Rod Carey has only been at Temple for like two years now, right? It was January of 2019, he became the coach. Uh, of the 89 scholarship players that are on this roster right now, 52 of them are Rod Carey recruits. So that's like 60% of the roster is Rod Carey recruits. If you look at the projected depth chart, especially on defense, a lot of them are Rod Carey recruits. So the message or the what determines this season is going to be depend on how these new guys kind of blend in to uh, the current existing roster. And it seems like if you listen to CJ Perez, that a number of them, um, including himself, I mean, he's a, he's a Rod Carey guy that got brought in from outside have, have done a pretty decent job of kind of stepping into some shoes on and off the field.
3: Yeah, no, just going off what you guys said, I felt like it, it was, um, I mean, I, th- I thought the way that he talked about the morale of the team was just a better insight of, of what we haven't heard. I mean, we've heard from Amir, we've heard from Kobe Wilson, I, I mean, we've, um, we've heard from other players as well. I'm blanking on, on who else. But I think he kind of gave a nice look into what's happening. And I feel like they firmly have – this is what they want to have in place. Um, you know, obviously, would they have like to have a lot of these players back? But, I, yes. But, like, they're finally formulating guys who want to be here and want to buy into the program. And I think CJ did a good job of really showing that this is Rod Carey's team. And the guys who are here are the ones that want to be here. And I know we've, we've said that, but I think it was, it was nice for that to be echoed by, by a player and really just give further perspective in, into what's going on with the program right now.
2: Yeah. Sam kind of took what I was going to say, but he had that uh, CJ had that line about um, Rod Carey basically went down the line and said, do you want to be here? or Do you not want to be here? And there were guys that said no. And there were guys that said, yes. And those guys that said, as CJ had said, there were guys, those guys that said, no, they're gone now. And it's all about the culture of the team and the morale of the team is a lot higher and guys Uh, talking about guys being the same guy every day and guys feel like it's a, it's a total buy-in effort and guys do want to be there. I think is a, uh, it was cool to hear from him.
1: All right. So again, uh, hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to CJ down the line. Hopefully we'll have some access to practice. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens here, whether it's zoom interviews or whether we can see some stuff in person, that would be great, but we don't know if that's going to be the case. So we'll keep you posted there. Uh, keeping with football here uh, since we last talked to you on the scoop temple did add another transfer from the transfer portal uh, an important addition for him here in Cameron Ruiz five foot 11 180 pound quarter cornerback uh, excuse me from northwestern a, a position of need we were talking about that on last week's show um, Sam talked to him the story's up on the site right now I uh, talked about his relationship with Melvin Rice and how they clicked Um Sam, give us a, just a quick glance of, you know, what, what he talked to you about and how big of an addition this is for the team.
3: Yeah, no, I, I think it's, it's a, it's a pretty significant addition just from the aspect of where they're kind of thin at cornerback. Um, I think a player like Cameron Ruiz played well at Northwestern um, in his, I th- believe junior year, he played well and then his senior year as I mean, it, this, this season for the big 10, especially was kind of one where it was a whirlwind. And, you know, he kind of fell out of favor and ended up, I think he ended up losing his starting job, but, but he started 17 games across um, three seasons there. He's graduating in this month because Nor- Northwestern is on a trimester schedule. So Temple can't like, he can't just graduate and then Temple can bring him in and he can start practicing with them unless maybe they get a waiver. I'm not so sure but I think they have to wait until after spring ball and like maybe after the year is over to get him in here academically. So, I mean, that's kind of tough, but I, I think this is a, this is a good get for them in the secondary. Um, for for me just personally and, and talking to him and the type of player that he is and just kind of reading up and, and what he is as a player, I would expect him to see a lot of significant playing time in the nickel. Um, it seemed that, against big 10 there's big 10 receivers there's american is obviously there's a talent discrepancy sort of a talent discrepancy but talking to him it, and and from you know looking at things it, it kind of seemed like he got exposed more on the outside so it assumed that he would be more inside guy and i mean as we know jeff Knowles has talked about playing five defensive backs on the field so if temple goes four two, five formation i feel like you're going to see cameron ruiz a lot out there and i think something that's maybe an underrated thing here is he, he um is a very good special teams contributor and he he can definitely add a lot on special teams, but he, I mean, he's the typical temple mold of a cornerback physical uh, short tackler likes, likes to get it in there and, and, and get his, you know, get his licks. Um, he sounds excited to be coming here. He kind of has a similar path as the staff. They're coming from, you know, Illinois now to, to North Philadelphia. Um, he related to Melvin Rice on, on a big level. And I think, Um, you know, before I hand it back to you here, John, I think what can't be understated is that um, Fran Brown, obviously losing Fran Brown was difficult for Temple, but I think Melvin Rice has done a nice job of stepping in as the cornerbacks coach and doing a lot of heavy lifting. Even if his footprint is back home in Chicago, he's in in Illinois, he's done a, a very good job. And I think, I mean, Kyle and I, Ruiz was on our radar for, for – uh, I remember Kyle saying that, like, when we were guessing who this was, we were like, okay, probably Cameron Ruiz. So this isn't a surprise, but it, it's another good get for the staff.
0: Much all Sam said, except for uh, – this, this will agree with what Sam says in the end. I wouldn't necessarily agree with there being a, a talent discrepancy between Big Ten and AAC wide receivers. I think if anything, the AAC is such more of a passing league. Um, like the big 10 stereotypical three yards in a, a cloud of dust and in a lot of people's minds. But I, I agree. I, I don't think ideally they want to play him on the outside all uh, all that much. I'm sure he will have to just because he is an experienced guy and he has done that. But I think in an ideal world um, you see him. Yeah. You see him play a lot of nickel and they play a lot more four two, five. But what I think he really brings to this team is experience. It's the same thing with Keyshawn Paul. Uh, you needed two guys brought in that have, proven that they can play corner at the FBS level to kind of bridge that gap to the younger guys of the Dayon Hawkins and the Elijah Clarks and Andrew Garwo's that might, that you don't want to just throw out there because if there's a position other than maybe quarterback and offensive line that I personally don't want to see a true freshman or a redshirt freshman at, at play, it's probably cornerback because unless they're a future NFL guy, um, it's pretty rare to see somebody physically and speed wise be ready to play right off the bat. So I think it's a good addition. I would agree with Melvin Rice as well. Um, I think you kind of see what he can bring to you from the Midwest. I think if you took a balcony perspective right now, you see that he kind of handles a lot of the Midwest recruiting. Um, Walter Stewart handles a lot of the DMV and then other other guys on the team kind of have their own individual areas, but he has a lot of connections there. Uh, The staff has a lot of connections there and they'd be foolish to not bring somebody like Cameron Ruiz in. Kim Ruiz did lose his job, but he lost his job to Brandon Joseph, who ends up becoming a first-team All-American. So it's just one of those situations where, yeah, I think he saw the writing on the wall. He didn't want to – he has two more years of eligibility. If he chooses to use that, I don't think he wanted to spend those backing up an All-American corner.
3: Yeah, just to reiterate the point, um, I remember in last week's podcast, we had, we had discussed, you know, maybe potential starting lineups on defense, and I had mentioned maybe Elijah Clark and Ty Mason starting – I kind of wanted to change my answer, and I think that, um, you know, not hindsight here, but anything, but I think you'll probably see Keyshawn Paul, uh, Cameron Ruiz, and, and probably Freddie Johnson. They'll go with the veteran group, and then you'll see some of those younger guys probably mix in. And, and maybe Ty I – don't, I don't know what time Ty, Ty Mason's role looks like, but I, I would assume Elijah Clark and, and Freddie Johnson will kind of be interchangeable this year.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I definitely listened to the podcast last week. Um, but you know I, I would kind of agree with that cornerback rotation but we're also sitting here on march 3rd right like they're just they're running around in basketball shorts and, and doing gassers right now we haven't really seen they haven't really seen each other play nobody's really seen each other play so i'm sure there's gonna be somebody that comes in to compete for playing time that we're, we're not even aware of
3: after kramer and ruiz how many scholarships do they have left is it four or three at this point
0: it's it's kind of the same thing we talked before i mean if you looked at like scholarship scholarships where they try to get to 85 they have like five or six but in reality they're they're really up against that 25 limit where you can only bring in 25 guys a a, a recruiting cycle there is some flexibility there like they could say if they wanted to that dewan mathis or piperson clement or somebody was actually part of the 2020 class and they just came in late instead of coming in early like there is some flexibility there or or early enrollees if you wanted to do it like um uh coleman jeff code or something like that as of right now they have 22 people they brought in um as part of this class so that would put them was three but i think there could be some flexibility there i, I i'll be curious I to see what they do with those last three do you bring in yeah. another quarterback do you bring in an offensive lineman do you bring in a scholarship kicker
3: i don't know i think an interesting you know thing just looking at some of the twitter followers is they started some of the staff started following seth green from minnesota who's a tight end and, or he came in as a tight end and they converted him to a wildcat quarterback. So yeah he had um, a great,
0: he had a great cameo on entourage.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so maybe um, that's a great joke, but um, maybe, maybe that Matt, maybe that's a player that that's thrown in the mix there.
0: Yeah. I mean, and or it's, it might be a situation where they just bring in the best player available. Yeah. Like, like when you think of, um, I know Mike Farrell, uh, the rivals national rare today, mentioned Lance Dixon as an option, the Penn state transfer who, He's a four-star linebacker coming out of Bloomington Hills in Michigan. Um, obviously, the staff has a lot of connections to Michigan. Duane Mathis came from that area, and Jake Griffin came from that area. Uh, I always think of when I read these towns that you think like, oh, this is in the middle of nowhere in Michigan. Now, they're always just like suburbs of Detroit. Or not suburbs, but like offskirts of Detroit. Um,
1: like 20 so, minutes away?
0: Right, yeah. There's kind of like, it's like a uh, sprawl, an urban sprawl out. It's like saying like when you think of Glenside, like, oh, that's far away. It's 10 minutes from the, the Philly border. Um so I don't know if it's a situation like that. I know if they get Lance Dixon, that'd be a, a pretty big gift for them. But there's a lot of big programs kind of uh, kicking the tires on him. So I, I don't know, I don't know. Um I haven't heard anything in particular with anybody like like Kim Ruiz was on our radar. I mentioned we mentioned him on the scoop six weeks ago that he's a that he was a potential addition. Um, but right now I think it's kind of they have a lot of different options they could use for those remaining scholarships.
1: All right. So heading over to the basketball side of things again, since we last talked to you uh, last weekend's game that was supposed to be at central Florida canceled due to multiple COVID uh, positive COVID tests in the temple program. Uh, They could uh, or should be on track to resume uh, practicing tomorrow. We've been told that it's highly unlikely that they will fit in uh, any last regular season game before the conference tournament starts, um, so if that's the case, the regular season is over, and now we look ahead. You know, uh, Lord knows what will happen if there's a, a, positive t- a positive test for for any team in the in the conference tournament. This is going to be an interesting march. Hopefully, it goes off without a hitch. But um, so we have a five and ten Temple team as of now, uh, heading into the conference tournament. Again, it's it's been a weird season with stops and starts. Uh, we've talked a lot about whether or not we feel like they're on the right track, and how that's been hard to judge because of all the the ups and downs of the season. Sam, what what do you think heading into the conference tournament? Here again, it would have been interesting to see them finish out, of course, against UCF, and had they, you know, hung in there with Wichita State or obviously beaten them, you go in with some momentum. That's not possible. What are you expecting? you know, down in, in Fort Worth of this team, you know, it looks like, again, last time we checked, I think they could be matched up with, with USF, a team that they obviously have shown that they can beat. They can obviously lose to them as well, but what what do you make of this team heading into the conference tournament?
2: So I guess I'll say first that yeah, most likely they'll play USF unless tonight, and you're probably hearing this tomorrow. Uh, so we'll have been decided by the time you're hearing this, but Wichita state is likely going to be Tulane. If Tulane does win that game, then Temple will drop to the 10 spot. And then they'll play UCF in the, um, in the 10, seven game. Uh, but it'll likely they'll, they'll stick with the seven, eight game. They'll be the first game of the day on March 11th and they'll match up with USF, which I think is an okay matchup for them. Uh, if, if they didn't have to go through this pause, if they didn't have to take time away from basketball, if it, it, if it wasn't like a, the kind of thing where they're not going to play a game for two weeks, um, considering the regular season is likely over. If they don't play a game for two weeks, I think, uh, that hurts them. But if they had a chance to play a couple games before or play one or two more games before the conference tournament, I think we're having a different discussion. Uh, with that being said, I think UCF is a perfectly fine win- and winnable matchup for them in the first round of the conference tournament. And then maybe they find themselves stringing things together. Uh, I'm not saying they're going to make an improbable four-day run and win the conference tournament and get out an automatic bid to the tournament. But my I will say this, my hopes aren't super high for them doing something incredibly insane in this conference tournament, but at the same time, I think UCF, or if it is UCF, I think those are both perfectly reasonable matchups to say, I could see them winning in the first round and making it to the second round of the conference tournament. And as I mentioned before, the fact that they're not going to have had a game for two weeks definitely hurts them more than it helps them.
1: All right, so we've got some some basketball mailbag questions here. We have plenty of mailbag questions to get to uh, from the message boards here. We appreciate everybody chiming in. Uh, let's get to these now. Uh, first one comes from Temple J. This is a basketball-related one. Could Temple, LaSalle, Drexel, and St. Joe's petition the NCAA to play a series, sort of big five, week of games while March Madness is going on? No. Uh, would be fun. Don't Don't think so. I mean, am I missing something there? I don't even think, like, rule-wise they could yeah i mean i mean
0: i guess what? i mean he says petition so that means like right the Civil grant like granting uh, like how you can't do, you can do this but i think the limit's 25 regular season games this year right yeah and LaSalle's at 25 Like, i don't think they could yeah. do even rule-wise
1: yeah so again we're recording this on wednesday afternoon LaSalle lost to sam
0: looked like he wanted to say something
1: i was just gonna no, say I was
2: not... you're you're good that that answer i was gonna say i feel like. I don't – I, Kyle, you would know the rule better than me, but I was going to say I feel like there's no way they could p- figure out a way to play games while the playoffs for the rest of the country are going on. I didn't think that's something I mean, that would be possible, but Kyle beat me to it with the rule. Yeah, I
0: mean, I think the only reason that you see that, like, teams can play in the NIT and the CBI and the CIT are because those are rent-sanctioned right. NCAA tournaments. Like, I don't think you can just be like, I'm 1-21, I'm going to go play in JIT. Like, I don't think you can do that. Because otherwise, I think you would see teams do that. Because, like, why yeah. wouldn't so
2: there's, there's no champ of the Big Five this year because they didn't play – each other so, i guess so enough. that's
0: my but like la salle and st joe's played
2: yeah didn't nova didn't, play some,
0: didn't have I'm, no nova played one of them right didn't nova play st st joe's joe's well i don't, I think they're officially there is not going to be sure. a big five champ but i think yeah. that like there were there were some matchups bit
2: of an unfair advantage for the big five teams that got to play other big five teams
0: yeah, yeah. it was always it was always <laughs> weird. well i mean that secured temple like a number two finish then because they didn't lose to any teams uh, it was always weird when Temple was in the A-10 because they'd be like, oh, they're playing LaSalle, but this isn't the Big Five LaSalle game. The next LaSalle game is the right. Big Five game. Like, they'd have to choose one. Yeah, I guess yeah. stupid.
1: A suddenly surging St. Joe's team. Again, we're recording this on a Wednesday afternoon. They uh, beat LaSalle today in the A-10 tournament, now play UMass. and
0: I'm telling you, I, I wish really that bad. could happen because I wish I could see a team. Ryan Daly is obviously a very good player, but I wish I could see a team with Demir Bishop and Ramir Moore uh, try to attack his own. Like, I wish Temple played a zone against them, but again, they can't shoot over this. Let's see what happens. <laughs> but.
1: Anyway, next question from JHG722. The question is, it's been a disappointing season, especially in terms of not getting anywhere near the number of scheduled games played, but also because we lost out on getting young guys uh, like like New Q, Jordan, Jay will I, I didn't realize these were their nicknames. And Don, more, uh, more game action in a free year. Considering all of that, what's your overall takeaway or what are your overall takeaways from this season?
0: Uh, I'll just start off by saying it didn't count. So they still got that experience and they still have the opportunity to get more experience next year in their true freshman year. So like, let's use Ed McCoy as an example. He didn't play that much this year, but he's going to be a true freshman in the fall. Mm -hmm. He's still going to have all that. So I think everything just kind of got pushed back a little bit. Um, but otherwise, I think you saw enough glimpses to say, okay, maybe there's some stuff here. But Sam, the Sams are probably gonna have more detailed answers.
2: Um, new Q makes me laugh because obviously Quentin Rose was the last Q, so calling Quincy Adam McCoy the new q If yeah,
0: he was new Q. I'd like to point out.
2: Yeah, before
0: Quinn Decozy uh, before Quincy. that, Quinn was a four-year guy. Was and Quincy Wadley was the, the Quincy Quincy Wadley, Wadley the that. Q before him?
2: Yes, the original so q. The q. Is he the OG Q? Wait a minute. Did we find out who
0: Q was? Everywhere CNN has been trying to figure out who Q was for QAnon (laughs) the whole time, and we figured
2: it out? (laughs) Whoa. (laughs) Get Jake Tapper Um, on the line. (laughs) That'll go over well. Just to to build off Kyle's point uh, and to answer the question, overall takeaway of the season – if you're going to have a rebuilding year in any year, this was the best year you could have had it because as Kyle mentioned next year is going to be a lot of true freshman years. Technically it's eligibility free year. They only played 15 games. They didn't deal with a lot of injuries. They, a, a lot of guys got to see the floor. Um, so if you're going to have a rebuilding year and you're going to have a, a, an off year to try to make things work, a 15 game season during a pandemic I think it's probably your best, the best you could ask for, for when that, for timing wise. And I think next year they're um, with a year under their belt, I think is going to be a a special team. I think they have a lot of potential at least.
3: I want to disagree with the notion that this season was a, was a disappointment. I think this, I mean, obviously you would have liked for them to have more wins. I mean, they finished what five and 10 in the regular season. Um, there was a lot of games that came down to the last possession, like three or four games. So it could have swung either way, but as Kyle and Sam mentioned, this is kind of a free year in terms of eligibility. And I don't think any of us were expecting temple to, to make a tournament run this year or, or be over 500. I think you're going to see the growing pains. You're going to see the development and it was going to be a mix of whatever. And if they in the some wins, they did If they got blown out, they did. But, you know, I think we kind of saw the development and, and as Aaron McKeeven and Rod Carey said with the football you know, all all you can ask for, these players are getting valuable experience. And I think they did. I think, as McKee mentioned after USF, we're still learning how to win. I mean, that was, and there's learning how to win, learning how to play as a team. And, and I think all you can really look at this season, and I know it's hard to ask fans to be patient and look at it like that, but like the development. If next season we come in the next season and none of that development is there and they're still looking like they're playing like true freshmen, then we can say, okay. But I think this is just like a, For a team like Temple, who was already going to have a a developmental year, you can just look at it. Okay, this is a throwaway year, and we got valuable experience out of it.
1: I I mean, I have a lot of takeaways, but just to narrow it down to two, I mean, I think the two that stand out to me are – I and we've talked about this before. I think they've got something significant in Jeremiah Williams, Uh, and we didn't know quite what to expect from him. Sam's talked about – you know, the fact that he's played a, in uh, a little bit of everything in bouncing around to a couple different high schools in Chicago, uh, you know, and then before getting to Simeon and um, looked pretty smooth at the point and looked more mature than he actually is, you know, as a, as a true freshman, I think they've got something to build on there. And again, we know that it's not just one guy bringing up uh, the ball up the floor all the time, but he really impressed me this year. And I know it's a small sample size, but you know, I saw more of Nick Jordan than I expected to see. And I think you have to be encouraged by what you see there. A guy that went in and, and blocked some shots can also step out and, and looks like he has a really smooth uh, three-point shooting stroke. So anybody who can help compliment Jake Forrester, we know how much he's gotten into foul trouble. Granted, Jake doesn't have a lot of, you know, bigs around him, you know, Trey Perry's had to play out of position. uh, JP Mormon has had to play out of position. I know that Aaron likes to say, oh, those guys can bang down low a little bit, but I think we, we know that they're more effective when they can try to stretch defenses, um, you know, hit some shots from the perimeter. But I think you have to be encouraged by what you see from them. Obviously you're encouraged by what you've seen from Damian Dunn. He hasn't played because of the injury, but I think they have some pieces to build on. So that's, that's a takeaway. Again, like Sam said, do people want to hear, Uh, I'm sick of being patient. I'm sick of being patient. I get it. But those are my takeaways. And as of late, those are the two that stand out to me, Jeremiah Williams and and Nick Jordan.
0: You know, what's kind of stuck out to me. I apologize if you guys talked about this last week, uh, that a little bit with Nick Jordan, that I didn't necessarily expect. I think I expected like an athletic kind of, for lack of a better phrase, soft big man. No, I think he's got a little shit to him. I think like you see it, like you see a lot of these freshmen hit the floor a lot of times that they are kind of hesitant to, to bang down low and to kind of like play after the whistle and stuff like that. You've seen Jordan do that a couple of times, which I thought has been a welcome surprise.
2: We talked a little bit about last week about his, what we expected versus what he's shown, but the, the having some shit to him is, is definitely a good, a good additive and a good amendment. As a coach
0: speak um, thing that I'm stealing.
2: Nice. Uh, yeah. One thing just to work on what John said, I mean, I talked to Jeremiah Williams uh, a, almost a year ago now. Um, I think it was like late March about asking him about you played at St. Lawrence and you played a huge role there. Then you go to Simeon for your senior year and you had success at both, but you played very different roles and you made that jump going into your senior year. How does making that move to a team with pieces in place to having to fit into a new system in a matter of a year, and make things work. How does that help your ability to then do that again, the following year in a college, when you get to college, meet the college ranks. And I think he's shown that, that definitely play. He's like, he he said pretty blatantly that like, that's going to help him a lot being able to, to adjust his game. And I think it's, it's fair to say that he's adjusted his game very well. He's made a pretty smooth transition and, and he's only growing. He's shown a lot of growth this season Uh, in terms of takeaways, John, I think you you covered a lot of it that we got our first real look at Damian Dunn and what he can do. Um, It's an unfortunate they dealt with an injury late in the regular season. Um, I guess uh, for their sake, we can hope that he's okay in time for the conference tournament, but, We don't have anything specific on that. Um, You're as if you're a fan, you're hopeful of what Jeremiah Williams can be, and as you guys have both mentioned, Nick Jordan definitely is uh, has shown a lot more than I think any of us would have imagined at the start of the season.
0: Yeah, I think if you just want to take like like if you group those together, like exactly what you just laid out of Jordan, Jeremiah Williams, Damian Dunn, I think it probably if you're a Temple fan, it it raises your confidence in the staff's scouting ability because Mm -hmm. Jeremiah Williams was a guy that had Mac offers. That they that they like, they kept recruiting, kept recruiting, kept recruiting, and then they bring in late. Damian Dunn's a guy that you've been hearing about behind the scenes for three years now. That this guy has the potential to be good. Uh, Caleb Bow is a guy that went to Butler, struggled at Butler. They bring him in; he's exactly what you expect, what they expect him to be. So I, th- I think it raises your confidence in the staff's ability to identify talent that might not necessarily pop off the the
2: ranking. And they still have Julia White coming in and uh transfer oh, a yeah. uh, transfer and sage topor to add yep. to that lineup. It's there's a lot as frustrated as Temple fans might be now, there's a lot to be excited about for the future.
1: Next question here. The screen name is Moose Jake008. Dunn and Battle have similar games. Um, I don't know that I necessarily agree with that, but uh, I want to hear what you guys think. Question number one, can they play together? Question two, would they play Williams Dunn and Battle together? And if so, they would need to be bigger at the four and five positions. So let's, let's, I want to ask that question. Dunn and battle have similar games. Agree or disagree? I don't necessarily agree
2: with that. The only way their games are similar are that they both play, play generally off the ball and they both can put the ball through that orange ring that you're supposed to do when you play basketball. They both can score and they both play on the wing. And Aaron McKee has said that like, he likes the idea of, Jeremiah Williams with the ball in his hands and having him look to the left and see Caleb battle and to the right and see Damian Dunn or vice versa or whatever, having those two guys as options on the wing. Caleb battles much more of a catch and shoot guy, much more of a guy that like has room to grow with the ball in his hands and creating for himself on the perimeter. Uh, he can sort of finish inside, but I mean, his, his, the best part of his game is to catch and shoot to let it fly. And he still has some room to make as a decision maker, but he's shown he can score the ball. Absolutely. Damien Dunn is kind of the opposite he's much more of a guy that likes to catch the ball turn and face and go to work from the perimeter and create for himself and we've harped on it a lot that he likes to draw fouls but their games are a little bit flopped and I think they could both um they could both benefit from stealing a little bit from their other and you know growing that aspect of their game.
0: I agree with that. Caleb is much more likely to like you said just um catch and shoot I mean he's made Four threes in a game multiple times a season. Damian's made five the entire year, mm-hmm. so I mean, I, I would I would agree that I think Damian probably needs to be a little more aggressive sometimes with shooting from the perimeter, and Kayloff needs to be a little more conservative with it sometimes. But when I think you've been with Battle, with when it's when he it's when he's stroking it and when it uh, is is working, then he's fearless with that, and they they can both probably benefit from a little bit of each other.
1: Yeah, and question two: Would they play Williams Dunn and Battle together? Yeah, I think they're all in the starting lineup together next year,
0: which that's a little tease in the next question, but I mean, they have played together, right? Yeah, exactly. But they've played together this year.
1: Yeah. So the next question from fig one, who also had a question for CJ Prez earlier in the scoop project 2022, starting five and first man off the bench. Who wants to go first?
3: I can go. Um, take us off. Okay, those three, Damian Dunn, Jeremiah Williams, Caleb Battle, um, Sage Tolbert, and, and Jake Forrester. I think Jake is just going to be in the starting lineup based on seniority. Um, first off the bench, probably um, just because Jake has a propensity to get in foul trouble, probably Nick Jordan. But I was kind of leaning towards saying Jaleel White a little bit, but, you know, that, that's where I'm at.
1: Sam Cohn?
2: I guess it's a tough, 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 tough question because you could make the argument that there are eight guys on the roster – that could start. I think we have heard that Jaleel, like Chris Clark had told us that Jaleel White was fighting for a starting spot this year. From what I, from what we've seen from Sage Tolbert on film, he could be a guy that could start in that front court and be phenomenal. Jake Forrester is a two year starter. Uh, Jeremiah Williams started every single game this year and proved that he should be, he led the team in minutes played at 33 minutes a game. Damian Dunn starter Caleb battle has shown he, I mean, he's leading the team in scoring right now. He's shown he can be a starter. I think it's really hard to say at least right now, five guys, I'm going to, I'm not going to throw away this question. I'm going to try, I'm going to give it an answer. I'm going to give it my best guess. But with that being said, like there are eight or nine guys on this roster that I think if you looked there, if you looked there in the eyes and said, could this guy start on your team that he would be comfortable saying, yeah, sure. Um, so with that being said, I will go Jeremiah Williams. Are you about, to commit?
1: Are you about to commit somewhere with that being said? I would like to announce.
2: (laughs) Um, I want to thank God. I want to thank my family. I want to thank everyone else that supported me along the way. I'll be taking my talents to. uh, So I'm going to go with Jeremiah Williams, Damien Dunn, Caleb Battle. I'm going to go with Nick Jordan and Jake Forrester. I think Nick Jordan has come a long way in a short amount of time. And I think he's going to be a little bit more versatile right off the bat than Sage Tolbert will be. And first off the bench. If Brendan is still around, I think he is a chance to kind of maintain that six-man role. If not, I could see it being Sage Tolbert. I could see it being Quincy. Again, like, there's – I'm not saying this is a team that's going to make a run at the Final Four, but I think the talent pool that they have, is there's no one that feels so above the pack, and there's no one that feels so below the pack with the guys that are going to come back next year that we know of and play significant minutes. I think they're all – kind of right there and Aaron McKee's going to be able to play an eight or nine maybe even 10-man rotation.
1: Kyle?
0: Yeah I would, I would almost copy and paste what uh, Boston Sam said I, I would agree with the same lineup of Jeremiah Williams, Damian Dunn, Caleb Battle, Nick, Nick Jordan over Sage and then Forrester I mean Forrester, Forrester made strides this year I mean when he's been able to stay on the court he's been a very productive player in this in the system um, and then with going off the bench the same same guys. I mean, I, I think that we have a question after this when people are asking if Heiseer Miller is going to play right away, if he's going to start right away. I think he has the ability to carve out a role for himself next year, but I think there's just a lot of talent, especially at the guard position right now, that um, is going to make that pretty hard for him. So I'll say Jaleel White as the first guy off the bench.
1: You guys have given me something to think about a little bit more than I initially thought. I mean, Let's I need something to talk about, Joe. Well, Bonnie Raitt. Maybe that's our interest song <laughs> with Will Farrell singing it. Like he did in uh, was it Step Brothers, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, I had Jeremiah, Damian Dunn, Caleb Battle, Sage Tolbert, and Jake Forrester with either Jordan or Jilo White as the first guy off the bench. I agree with you, Sam. If Brendan Barry's still around, if he comes back, maybe he's the first guy off the bench. But yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think it depends on how he wants to play it. I don't know that Sage, and we haven't seen enough of him, I don't like, I'm going to go out on a limb and say Nick Jordan might be the better three point shooter there. But depends on what Aaron wants to accomplish with that starting lineup. Um, I guess I could see it either way. You know, if he brings Sage off the bench, I could see that. I still think Sage will start and Jordan will come off the bench because they seem really high on Sage Tolbert, but I could, I you don't know, I could see it going the other way.
0: I just want to draw attention to the fact that uh, in our Google doc, you put uh, Saget Tolbert, Tolbert,
2: Tolbert. Somebody.
0: No, you did. You did. I am highlighting that. <laughs> you combined Bob Saget with Sage Tolbert. <laughs>
1: Nobody can prove that. You did that. <laughs> I'm sure it's audible. Bob Saget did go to Temple. Yeah. Might have some eligibility left. Who's to say that I'm wrong? I, feel
2: I like could Bob see Saget's him being pushing to the seventh or eighth spot. I
1: don't know if I take him first. Uh, up
0: Bob time. Saget's 6'4".
1: Yeah. He's got some
0: size. Got some length to him.
1: You get Local up and down the floor. He got a good stroke. Local guy could make some people laugh. <laughs> <laughs>
0: hey, hey, hey went to Abington.
1: Yeah, like I said, okay. You're sort of you're your old neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, I had moved. Anyway. George Reed.
1: <laughs> Next question from HBG Al is the screen name. If the tournament started today, who are your NCAA final four picks? Who are two of your tournament sleepers? Who wants to go first?
0: Ooh, I like this and ooh, I should have prepared, so I don't want to go first.
3: <laughs> I can I can go. I, I prepared, so I I have something. Transparent <laughs> um, Kyle. Um final four just based off the games I watched last night. I was you know, we <laughs> the funny thing is <laughs> were there four teams playing, Sam? No, um based but, off the uh, we'll watch. get we'll get there when we get exactly. there. Um the funny the funny thing is is you had probably one of the better games of the season last night and one of the probably one of the worst games I've seen between Michigan and Illinois. But um what I saw from Baylor and West Virginia, those two teams look like Final Four teams to me. And I doubt, knowing the NCAA, that they're going to put them in the same side of the bracket. I mean, uh, that would be dumb. So I have Baylor, West Virginia, Gonzaga, and then Illinois, after what I saw last night, them doing at Michigan without their best player was pretty ridiculous. So that's my final four. Sleepers, I don't know if there's necessary sleepers. I mean, they're probably going to be three, four seeds, three or four seeds. But, I mean, what Creighton did to, to Villanova on the road. I think Creighton is in a, in a good spot. Um, Obviously, they had a lot of controversies surrounding their team with what their head coach said. We won't get into that. But, um, you know, I, I think they're a good team come tournament time, can make some noise. And Oklahoma State, um, people aren't talking about them out of the Big 12 because of Baylor, Oklahoma, and West Virginia. But, you know, they have eight quad one wins, and they have arguably the best player in the country. So that's that's a team that, that really just can't be slept on.
1: Sam Cohen?
2: Yeah, I can take it next. Uh, John, I don't want to spoil yours, but your sleepers are making me laugh. Um, just because I think of that one picture that I think you know of, and we'll circle back to it. Uh, I also, Sam told me to prepare for this. I'm not going to lie, I didn't think, I didn't totally prepare for it, but. Kyle I will committed,
1: say, committed to the craft.
2: My <laughs> final four. Um, so, right now, if, if I'm not mistaken, the top four are Gonzaga, Michigan, Illinois, and Baylor. I think if Illinois is healthy, that's a really tough team to beat. The big 10 is so good this year. Um, So I'm going to go with Illinois. I'm going to go with Michigan. Well, no, I take it back. I'm going to go with Gonzaga, Illinois. Uh, I like your Florida state pick, John. Now I'm starting to spoil it. Um, Yeah. Why can't you let let me speak for myself? Sorry. (laughs) Because I'm the new host of this podcast um all right gonzaga illinois florida state and i see i like baylor i just i like baylor and michigan i like michigan more but i don't want to take another top team like i it's just not it's just not realistic pick so i'm gonna send it over to kyle i'm gonna give you three teams i agree those are that. my final three you gave us three
3: teams and no sleepers either wow so he's choosing COVID as the
0: fourth team that's smart <laughs> so an elite eight game is going to be canceled due to COVID, and
1: they're
3: just exactly going to saying, you know
1: what
2: we're gonna we're going to wrap up this.
1: the final three guys i'm sorry <laughs> what the hell happens well they're in a bubble yeah
3: is the... they, they play a game of 21 where right. it's uh,
0: every... speaking <laughs> <laughs> so of which I, I i don't want to glaze over the fact that i i played some some great basketball on saturday first time playing basketball in like two years really i mean i was going up against an 11 year old but i bought nice. him like, it wasn't even close.
2: <laughs> I have been, like, feeding to play. I want to play so bad once the weather's, like, really nice. No, nope. anyway. There's not a confidence booster, like, beating up an
1: 11-year-old in basketball. I think Ryder either. talk some shit back to you or no?
0: Uh, a little bit. So, I beat him 11 nothing. Um, Then he went and played my brother. and He beat my brother. So, then he played me again, and I beat him again 11 nothing. So, then they played me together 2v1, and I won 11-10. I'm just saying. So, like – Chris isn't good. No, he's not. He's not good at all. But, like <laughs> – I'm I'm not a tall guy. I'm like 5'11". Uh, six foot. If I was like single and on a dating app, um, but like <laughs> I was going uh, up against a five foot three kid, I just I just destroyed him in the paint. It wasn't even close. <laughs> it's like why wouldn't you? Like why I'm not gonna shoot threes against a guy I got nine inches on? Like that.
2: Yeah. Only Chelsea
1: could have heard you say that.
0: <laughs> anyway, um,
2: <laughs> for for my sleeper, give me Houston. I think Houston is low key a really Houston tough team. Houston burns me
0: every year because they're yes. so good oh. and they just. Yeah. They
2: just get Houston's such a tough team to be. You can never really count them out.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: I agree with
2: Kyle. That they burn
1: me every year. I think this is the year. And again, it took Calvin Sampson, what, four years to get to the tournament? Sure. They're so good. But yeah, every year I'm hopeful. The last few years I've been hopeful for them to make a run and they we'll they'll get bounced
3: it. in like the sweet sixteen or the rounds. Right. The yeah, they'll make I it to the
0: second weekend and then which there is there a second weekend this year? They're doing it differently this year, right?
3: Yeah, who knows.
0: Yeah, because they're all in a bubble, so I think they're condensing it. Um, but I will do for my final four. I'm gonna. This is kind of chalkish. I think Gonzaga is the best team in the nation. Yep. Um. So Gonzaga is in there. I. I. Who knows? They could get upset, but I'd be foolish to not to not put him in there. I liked West Virginia a lot last night. Uh, West Virginia's in there. I'm still gonna go Baylor. So I have two Big Twelve teams there. Um. And then I'm gonna combine this one with my sleeper. I'm gonna put Iowa fourth. That was, team, that was a team. That was a team I was going to mention, but they got some scalps. Uh, they they beat Ohio State. They are really just like a tough team that I don't think anybody wants to play in the tournament. So I will combine my
2: also Luca Garza is just a massive human being.
0: Yeah, they Iowa just breeds kids like this. They just plop out massive corn fed kids. <laughs> and
2: okay, I don't
4: question.
0: He, don't even know if he's from Iowa, but he went to Iowa, so he got fat.
4: <laughs>
2: if Temple wins four games in four days and gets an automatic bit to the tournament mm-hmm. and the ncaa says "Owl scoop you guys can send one person to the bubble can i go no <laughs> look at garza's from dc by the way <laughs> dang i mean can right. you
0: do this this like with that short notice would they be like oh i mean that's how they used to do it you used to apply on like sunday night and book a flight sunday night but
1: where are we sending sam are you going
0: Yes. i mean i'm not going really... sam you're not vaccinated we're going to throw you into the lion's den. Worth it. He'll
2: triple mask up. I I'll I will wear 12. 12. But I can't
1: go. So it's one of the I'll
2: wear 12 masks. I 12 <laughs> I'll, wear a haz, I'll wear a hazmat. If too. you were a
0: papper or whatever they're called, like the ones where it's like a full, yeah, the full What's,
2: thing. Then, so say like
3: just on the off chance that Temple makes the tournament, like what seed would they be? It's like a five and 10 team.
0: Well, in that situation, they'd be a Three. nine and 10 team, right? Yeah.
2: Um, but – They'd be in the five twelve uh upside game. Like,
0: I feel like name name recognition. Like sixteens are always reserved for like I won the Who Gives a Crap Honda turn, like, conference. Yeah, I like, feel like they'd be like
3: a twelve seater I, I feel like,
0: like they'd find their way into like yeah, a thirteen or a fourteen just based upon name. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: conference. I saw in an Andy Katz's latest bracket, he had Wichita State as a 12 seed. If team.
0: they won, for, if they somehow, Wichita know,
2: State's the number one team in the American right if now. If they
0: somehow pulled that out of their ass, which there's no chance they would, but they did, and they would have to beat a Wichita State and probably a Houston and probably like a Cincinnati. Like they would have some like decent wins.
3: I was talking to Sam about this. I mean, realistically, no. probably, probably – no, 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 I'm not saying that. But I was like – I think that they can pretty much play with any team in the conference. The two teams I don't Except think that they match up particularly well with is Houston and, and maybe Memphis. Yeah, the only way it would happen is if you saw somebody take down Houston. Yeah. Like, it w- couldn't be
0: Temple. It would have to be like – it's the, uh, the Thor thing where, you know, you can't beat me, right? Yeah, but he can't. Like, it would have to be, like, Cincinnati somehow takes down
3: Houston and then Temple takes down Cincinnati. Yeah. I, I think Temple could go toe-to-toe with SMU if, you know, they lost twice sure. them this year.
2: Yeah. So, we're assuming the Temple is in the 8-9 game against USF on March 11th. Hypothetic. We're going to play the hypothetical. If they win, they would then play winner of game one. They'd play the number one seed, which, so they play, as of which right, right now, Wichita is Wichita State. State, which Wichita Wichita Wichita. is a better matchup for them than Houston. No Wichita. question. They played Wichita State well. I mean, they probably should have won that if, game too. If they find a way to – hypothetically, if they beat Wichita State, then the winner of – winner of game one versus – oh, game four. Okay, so game four plays the winner of game five, and game five is the number five seed versus the number four seed. The number five seed is Cincy. The number four seed is SMU. So then they'd play – so they'd probably play SMU, and then they'd probably lose. But – I don't know. It's just interesting. to think about. But I think the fact that USF the fact, and
3: this will all be no The fact
2: the, <laughs> fact, the fact that they play USF, I think, is an okay matchup for them in the first get in the first round. And then the fact that they would, if they did win that game, that they would play Wichita State, at least raises some eyebrows. That like, what if they made it to Saturday or Sunday, whatever day is? Yeah, well, Saturday. Louisiana is
3: is right. still injured, right? I mean, I think they're aiming to get him back this weekend, but that would be big if he's out.
0: If ifs and buts were candies and nuts, yep.
3: We'd Maybe give
1: a, a damn game game. about my. I'm pitch. playing. I'm playing the optimist. Okay? All right, John. John we, 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 really, we were saving the best for last. Sam kind of spoiled it. Don't, dude, Don't, don't patronize me. <laughs> All
2: right. So, so John's picks are. Not just kidding.
0: John's <laughs> choosing Germantown Friends,
2: Downingtown East, Haverford High School, Downtown West. Um,
1: now I had, I think it's gonna be a weird tournament. I, I, I know again what Illinois did last night was was very very impressive without without a very significant piece. I think Michigan bounces back. A Michigan Baylor. People aren't gonna love hearing this. I, I think Villanova pulls in the Final Four this year. I like Florida State. He asked they're for sleepers. So
0: bad offensively, Nova. Yeah. Like and like to the point, like in every tournament, there's going to be one game where they need to score 85 points, mm-hmm. and I don't know if they have the ability to do it.
1: Mm-hmm. We'll see. I had for sleepers, and again, these are like I don't know if you want to call them deep sleepers. I mean, they're like I had Saint Bonaventure and Loyola Chicago.
2: Well, yeah. I just can't get by thinking about the Bonnies and then that one picture of the guy with the crazy, with the massive shorts. I just can't get past that. Yeah. Yeah, didn't didn't Temple play St. Sure. Bonaventure in a tournament a while ago? I mean, they used to be in the A-10 with them. Wait, are you uh, talking no, about years bad
1: ago? Bad. You're talking about years ago with Marcus Green? Like, years and years ago with the, the shorts?
2: That one famous picture, picture of the guy from St. Bonaventure wearing, like, like, like huge, huge front shorts. Front
1: Marcus Green, Towns, Marcus Green. It was like a five, oh. seven, yeah, five, six Great. point guard. Very good. Very quick. Um, I believe I actually got to see him play.
0: Oh my god, I don't think I've ever seen this photo before. <laughs>
1: yeah. Really? That's insane. It's Mark a screen, right?
0: That's a yeah. classic.
1: Tiny, but very good.
0: Yeah, it's five seven.
1: They had him. Uh God, they had a body
0: was a good program when Temple was in the eighties.
1: Yes, very good. And yeah, it was hard for them to win there. They had Shandu yeah. McNeil, was another good uh small point guard that gave them a ton of problems. So I feel like a
3: lot of people in the media went to went there. I always yeah. see like on, on my Twitter account. Is that, a, like is that where Woj
1: went? Yes. Adrian. Yeah. yeah, Adrian Woj- Wojnowski went to St. Went to Bonaventure.
3: So did Mike Vaccaro from the New York Post. I always see him tweeting about them. Nice.
1: A couple more mailbag questions here. One from Vanter is the screen name, and then our buddy Pat Egan checks in. Uh, the Vanter question, Kyle alluded to this one earlier. Any projected roster attrition before next season? And do you think Hysier will start immediately? Any projected roster attrition before next season? We get asked about this all the time. What do you think? Sure. I, mean, I think,
0: I think the three that you're sticking out are the, the guys that are going to come back for the last year, right? Of Perry, Mormon, and Barry. I think you'll definitely see at least two of those three leave. Mm-hmm. Yep.
3: And then you have to take in consideration what happens with Ty Strickland right. and Erashma Parks. I mean, right. those, those are I mean, we have no inside information with that. But like I those think Temple will have the ability nice. to add people
1: if they want to add people. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you think Hiser Miller will start immediately? I I think no. Um, no. and again, I'm not um definitely not. Jeremiah Williams is your starting point guard next year. Don't get me wrong, Haisir Miller is a very good player and a good get. Uh, we know how much they wanted. Stephen Mitchell. They didn't get Steven Mitchell, but I see Miller's playing very well. I mean, I obviously have not been able to go to games live. I've, I've watched a few of his games on YouTube. That's like the next best thing we can do. The interesting thing about him is that in a couple of games I've watched, and even that in that wood game where he put up the triple double, it, it seems like he got off to a slow start in that game. And he's, you know, he's listed at six one. You know, some people are like, "Oh, he's he's a shorter point guard, so he's 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 like Jameer Nelson." Let's pump the brakes on that. Jameer Nelson was a was a a terrific, terrific, legendary player at St. Joe's, and obviously spent a long time in the league. It looks like the one of the things that Hysier is going to have to work on is, as a guy who's six feet or six one, you know, even. He's had some slow starts in high school games where he goes in. It looks like he's kind of getting the feel like, am I going to get the shot thrown back at me? And he's gotten a couple of his shots blocked. And then it seems like he kind of feels things out. And then he picks his spots even better in terms of where he's going to drive, where he's going to draw contact, uh, contact, where he's going to pull up for a three. And again, he's playing very well, but I don't think that he comes in and is that good right away where he starts right away. And Aaron McKee says, yeah, I'm starting, I'm starting Fabe over, over Jeremiah Williams.
0: I would agree with that, but I would say if I wanted to spin that or if I was an optimist, I would say he has a switch in him and he has the ability to kind of overcome those slow starts and, and like, triple-doubles against teams with a lot more talent. Um, but, yeah, he's got the cardboard thing. It made NCAA football somehow. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I would agree. I don't I don't think there's any scenario barring something catastrophic where he starts day one.
3: Well, I think, I think if if, some Sam, go ahead. Sorry.
2: I was going to say, I think if you're looking at an alternate universe where – Jeremiah Williams isn't nearly as good as he's been this year. Then, absolutely, Haseer comes in and can give him at least a fight. But I, I would agree with everything John you you had mentioned that uh, I think he's going to come in. He's probably going to find a way to carve out a role in within the, his first year or two. But right away, he's not going to play. I, I don't envision him playing anything significant.
3: I think something that was mentioned to us by John Brennan and Sam Miller is that Kemple didn't promise a role to him. Like he's coming in with the caveat that he's gonna the that he's gonna have to you know fight for a role. So I, I think with that you're not gonna really see him start his freshman year. Can he fight to to play start later on? Definitely. But like we've seen stranger things, and Jeremiah Williams has fought his way to play in the starting lineup, so it, it can happen. I just don't see it happening.
1: I mean, I think his attitude is my is my cheesy. I think his attitude as much as anything else might get him on the floor. He's willing to defend. He can shoot. He's been a pretty good foul shooter. Um, I think there's a role for him, but again, I think people do need to be realistic of, of the, you know, just the adjustment he's going to face in college. Again, it's not to say that he's not going to have a fine career at Temple, but um, last question here from our buddy, Pat Egan from 97.5, the fanatic who's on the John Kincaid show in the morning, a big Temple fan and Owl scoop supporter. So it was a two-parter, the standard Pat question here, where he's as, as a serious question. Well, shout out to our, to our former intern Dalton Balthasar, who I have to get in touch with. He reached out to me recently and I realized now that I owe him a text. Sorry, Dalton, if you're listening, he would say the sometimes serious, sometimes silly mailbag, right?
2: Correct. Yeah.
1: So the serious question from Pat is which new addition to the football team do you think makes the biggest impact next season? And then he's got the silly question after that we'll get to.
0: I think it's has I'm going to give a cop out here. I think it's one of the defensive linemen, whether that's Will Rogers, uh, Weston Kramer, or Zach Gill, I think. I think I think I I think I just named three starting defensive linemen that are gonna be transfers next year. And I would say one of them. I'm gonna say of those three, uh, I think if if what if CJ Perez was a little more vulgar and a little more like not being recorded, I think he got close to calling Weston Kramer a mother effer. Like he kept saying like he pisses people off, he mm-hmm. plays after the whistle. He played he said used the phrase he plays to the echo of the whistle, which means like he plays past the whistle. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say Weston Kramer comes in. Provides a little edge on the uh, – a little, little shit to him on the inside and goes with that. How many
1: times have you said that now? Three times? You love that.
0: Twice. And then Sam said it once, so that's three times. But that was me referencing back to the first time, John. It wasn't supposed to be an original thought. Call back <laughs> callback.
3: Caroline uh, Sam. I would say this might be – well, offense, obviously DeWan Mathis if, if he plays. Defense, Keyshawn Paul. I, I, I'm okay. having a hard time deciding between – either one of them I, I think they're both gonna have significant I, I yeah so I'll give you an offense and defense and just go with that Sam
2: when when Kyle said cop out I thought I thought he was gonna go with Deuce Mathis and then I was like ready to come in and I was gonna say Will Rogers and then he said the defensive line said everyone on the defensive line and then except
0: for Sam Lance Terrell
2: <laughs> okay fine I'll take Lance no I, I think Will Rogers could be my pick um yeah I'll go with Will Rogers someone on the defensive line
1: Yeah, I'm uh, Will Rogers for me, too, on that I think there's
0: just so many new guys that it's... Mm -hmm. You're going to see a lot of people making an impact. Yeah,
1: they need to. If not, they're in deep trouble. Uh, The silly part, the AND, in all caps, Chuck Reese comes up to you wanting to develop a new Reese's Cup. I pointed out to Pat that there is no Chuck Reese. I'm sure there's a Chuck Reese. Uh, Sure, there is. It's somewhere in in this world there's a Chuck Reese. Um, So... Pointed out that they're they're part of Hershey's. He said, "Fair point." He Says we're all out of ideas and we want to hire you. Create your own job title. What new Reese's flavor are you developing? And he said he doesn't want to hear any hatred about Reese's peanut butter cups.
2: Oh, first of all, I love um, Reese's
1: peanut butter cups. Yeah, I, I do butter. too. Love them.
2: I have. First of all, have you guys seen the Family Guy cutaway about how Reese's peanut butter cups were like made? Actually, no. It's two guys getting a car accident. And they, it's just horrible. They fly through the window. One's eating chocolate while driving. One's eating peanut butter while driving. And they fly through the window. And then a cop comes up and goes, you guys all right? And it's right? I'm Officer Reese's. And then he sees the chocolate was dipped in the peanut butter. And he takes it and takes a bite. And then he shoots them both and he runs. Um,
0: in reality, there was a there was a Reese, John. It wasn't Chuck Reese. It was HB Reese was a candy company that
2: right. Hershey bought. With that being said, um, new Reese's flavor. I think if someone asks you to make a new Reese's flavor, because they just came out with a new Reese's flavor, by the way, what it's only that? peanut butter. It's just, just peanut butter. There is no chocolate in it, hmm.
0: um, but- I'll pass. Like not even the shell? No, the shell is <laughs> more peanut butter. Oh, it's not, it's not like hardened it peanut, was peanut butter-, butter, on peanut butter. It's peanut
2: butter on peanut butter. Yes, it's hardened peanut butter with soft peanut butter inside of it. But Reese's is the superior candy, I guess you'd. I guess it's candy. Um, and they should never make another Reese's flavor.
1: I know, but just just try to have some fun with you, it. Is that, is that well? I can't force you into an answer.
0: I will All say right, there's think. there's variances to it. Like the Reese's Easter egg is the supreme candy. Like that is better than the regular Reese cup, just because like the form and like the the ratio.
2: All right, you ready for this pizza flavored Reese's cup, where the outside's like a pizza? I guess it's a calzone. That's just that's just straight up a calzone.
4: <laughs> what
0: were you just going to describe like dough and then the inside yeah, yeah, of pizza? Yeah. Yep. Well, calzone is because it has ricotta in it, right? Is that what makes it a calzone? Ricotta? Ricotta. Because otherwise it's a strong bowl. I
2: I don't know. I think it's the type of the I don't know difference you want between to
3: the two. Well, you, look at the road Sam brought us down. <laughs>
0: I just want to think like they he just thought I in, just his his mind, an in his mind. Sam just came up independently with the idea of a drum (laughs) bully.
1: Yeah. Like, like, I I got it. (laughs) We'd like to bring into the podcast Stanley Tucci, fresh off of CNN, which that series has been great. Have you guys been watching it? No, I have not. No. Very good. Very good. I just want to get back to it. I see
0: a Saturday live skit where they do Gucci gang, but it's Tucci gang. No, no. Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang, Tucci gang. All right. Someone else else (laughs) give
2: a new Reese's flavor.
0: I I, I kind of agree with that. Like these little novelty uh, flavors are kind of like trash. Like it's kind of like all just nonsense. And then in the end, only the good stuff survives. Um, uh, I, I actually do like the Reese's pieces in the Reese's cup, Reese's cups like so they change a little bit texture change. I don't have a good answer for this. I don't know what it would be. So I'm going to go with horrible instead. So the worst possible one I can imagine would be kind of like a Boston cream one where you bite into it and you expect it to be like, Oh, this is peanut butter on the inside instead Boston cream, like, pudding comes out. It'd be disgusting. It wouldn't be convenient. It'd be messy. Or like,
2: jelly. Yeah.
1: That's what I was going to say. I was going to oh, say jelly. All right. John, As like that was a your idea. Answer? What's that? As,
0: like, a legitimate answer?
1: Yeah. What the hell else? What, what can we think of?
3: I don't know. Like I, Salted caramel pretzel, something like that. I feel like that you. that's, like, always the thing that comes up now. You can't go all right. right. I wouldn't go out I, of the buy,
0: brownie I, that brownie fudge. You bite into it and it's a brownie fudge, that'd be nice.
2: Yeah yeah i can mess with
0: that okay Actually, I, have I have a bag i think i have a bag of reese's in my desk year from, I have a- now,
1: year from now new reese's flavor it's boston cream and then 10 minutes later we're stopping at a rest stop somewhere because somebody's got to go to the bathroom because they have a stomach ache i
0: don't poop as much anymore
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay i have a food question before we Just wrap up that, was the, last, it.
0: that oh, was the last oh right? speaking
3: of rest stops i have a story to tell before we uh we're like nine
0: minutes past my heart stop so we should go straight to sam's story unless other sam had a good thing to say about
1: pooping i there's a there's a rest stop story and there's it a wasn't food. about we're pooping on.
2: it was about food but we can go past it so oh, sam tell your story okay so freshman year before spring break it's it's friday i
3: have flight going out friday there was a huge like ice storm it was 2018 this is before sam was at temple um so he wouldn't remember but um yeah. So my parents tried convincing me to change my flight to Saturday. I was like, no, I want to get the hell out of here. I want to go home for the week. I, I'm done here and whatever. So I'm flying um, I it'll come to me in a second, but oh Frontier. I'm flying Frontier. Oh, cheap airline, whatever. Out of the air. But I'm also but I'm also, you know, a college student in cheap fare. So the the thing is is I get to the airport, we're waiting at the gate, waiting, 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 waiting. Everything's good to go. As soon as it's time to board, they cancel the flight and then there's no more flights for the rest of the day. Is Philly to Charlotte, or Charlotte to Philly. It was Philly to Charlotte. Okay. So, Frontier cancels the flight and they're like, "Yeah, no more flights for Frontier." They're like, "There's four seats left on the next flight and then the rest are canceled and if you want to get out of here, you're going to have to go to Trenton. Um if you want to fly with us, you're going to have to fly out of Trenton to Charlotte." So, I got in line, side my options. Guy in front of me turns to the woman who's in front of who's behind me and me and ask what our plans were and i was like well i have no idea because like now like it's like terrible outside and uber to get back is like a hundred dollars whatever so he's like well i have a brand new like Fort pickup truck that you know i parked i'm gonna drive down to charlotte you guys are more than welcome to come with me and i was like yep yeah, i'm in so i <laughs> so i guess Damn, um,
2: to charlotte. how did your parents feel about this
3: my parents were so pissed at me but the um you know what, it, it's a great-
1: finding thing. out now on this so, podcast. No, no,
3: no. I, I had mm-hmm. to, like, text him every hour in the hour. But, um, no, we, we drove down. It took, like, 12 hours, but we, we got there. And one of the nicest guys I've ever met. It could have gone so much worse, obviously, because that's, like,
2: yeah.
3: a, a kidnapping story right there. But me, he, he dropped off the woman somewhere in, I don't know, somewhere North Carolina. It's and then, not
0: kidnapping once you're old enough to serve, Sam. You should have known better. <laughs>
3: <laughs> but- but yeah, no, it's a great story. And I, I got notified that it was uh, that it was the three year anniversary of that Yes. When you
0: first tweeted this, my initial thought was, Oh, that's not as dangerous as normal hitchhiking because like these people were about to get on a flight with you. Like they've gone through the process. But then I realized I was like, it's frontier. The the fence to get <laughs> into a frontier flight is pretty minimal. So like this could have very easily been like, Oh yeah, that guy's a convicted murderer. That person makes suits out of college students skins like you had a different bunch of different ways that this could have gone because they spent $39.99 on a flight from Billy to Frontier which might be like the second or third most popular flight path in the nation like you're going from a hub to a hub there like that can't be that hard to get to just get another flight <laughs>
1: I don't. Know, I flew from, flown, you're like down Philly down. to. Well,
3: no, they, I mean all the flights were they pretty much like ended up canceling like all the flights for you that could, day. And the that's next. like
0: when I was when I was
3: in St. Saint... They closed the dorms too. So when I
0: was in the Virgin Islands a couple of years ago. I was on St. John, and a bartender told me that she hitchhikes to work every single day. And I was like, "Oh, cool! You're gonna die! Like this is how <laughs> this is how your life is. I haven't died yet."
1: We flew Kyle and I flew Frontier from Philly to Houston for the American Conference Championship game when Greg Ward was the quarterback. Worst flight of my life. Had nothing to do with the quality of the airplane.
0: Best flight of my life. My secretary was on that flight. Sent me a happy hour special, like two shots. I think I did like two more. I stumbled off that plane. You're like holding your your GI tract in your hand and I'm just loving life.
1: <laughs> because That's I great. ate, what do we eat? Chicken fingers and a beer right before the flight. And you're like, why do you do this to yourself? Yeah,
0: you were pooping before we even got on the plane. <laughs>
1: And I was like drinking Jack
0: and eating peanut M and M's.
1: No, I, I pooped when we got on the plane, and then you to... did.
0: I don't yes. think they're exclusives. I think you did both.
1: No, I didn't before. Because yeah, you I...
0: left me at Chickies and Pizza one point. I remember this. I was sitting on the thing at Chickies and Pizza, and you left to go to the bathroom.
1: Then I went to the bathroom. We got on the plane, and you said all you did was wake a sleeping giant. Yes. Which uh-huh.
0: you were right. Which is a World War II quote.
1: Yeah. Anyway. Um, but... Sam, thanks
0: you're... for tuning into the scoop. Sam, yep, time for Sam,
2: what was your what was your food story? Did you invent the calzone? No, it's it's not a story. It's a question, and I hope it's not that stupid. What I know what? Why is it called a chicken cheese steak? Why is that? Why is it called a chicken cheesesteak? Why is a that a dis- thing? To distinguish because
0: it's using different meat. But there's what you but
2: there's no steak in it. Why is this? Why is it a cheese steak? Steak is.
0: Beef that's cut in like a steak fashion. Like it, it's, you're still, chicken steak is still a thing.
1: Kyle just has All this right. exasperated look on his face, like, just accept it, Sam. Just accept it. It's like seven right. minute abs. Hey, at least you called it a chicken, chicken minute steak minute and cheese. We have, no. we have
3: progress going over here.
1: <laughs> like, like,
0: steak is like a form. Like, you can I'll get like put, a chicken steak. I'll just steak. look something up. You can get like a chicken steak. Like, it, it's the form of it.
2: Okay. See, I didn't know that. but but the actual question is
0: just that they want to distinguish between the two it's a cheesesteak is the thing and you're adding the caveat of chicken to it
2: see i thought the steak was the the food inside bullet beneath the cheese or mixed in with the cheese
0: a steak is a meat generally sliced across the muscle fibers potentially including including a bone it can be beef Steak can also be cut from other animals, including bison, camel, Chips goat, steak. horse. So oh, yeah, I <laughs> as Well, as well there you as go. Fish, as well as types of meat, and veal. There's a bunch of different ways.
2: Yeah. Well, I'm glad I learned something on this Welcome episode of the episode scoop. Where we have discourse. We have a butcher,
3: on, a butcher on staff
2: food, bathroom and traveling. <laughs> Paging. I, I don't think you know. I've ever met yeah, You've I don't never heard think of, of like a tuna. You've never heard of a tuna steak? Oh, I have. Yeah. You well, grew up. I'm glad I could so learn something. chicken fried steak. Yeah. Well, well Sam, Sam, I don't think have heard of you
1: in French, Maybe don't disappoint us next time. <laughs> we love,
2: you. We love I'll, you. I'll be better. I'll be better next week. you are gonna learn from this.
1: Yeah, tap your tap your chest. There we go. All right. Anyway, thank you to C.J. Perez for oh, joining us today. Thank you for uh, all the mailbag questions. We had fun this week. Hope everyone's uh, staying safe, doing well, and we will talk to you soon.